Chemist Warehouse June catalog sale is on now. Find Masashi 100% whey 900 gram protein powder, only $49.99. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go Flying over cities down to Rio, it's real Love that I feel, oh nothing lasts forever But I'm down for the minute, so just chill Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go Flying over cities down to Rio, it's real Love that I feel, oh nothing lasts forever But I'm down for the minute, so just chill Good morning, uh, kia ora Aotearoa, and welcome into uh, Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Good morning, uh, Tony Kempe. How are you doing, brother? Morning, uh, Rick Dog. Yeah, no, I'm doing really well, mate. Uh, just sitting down here, getting all excited about the weekend. The Warriors obviously travelling down to Napier, playing in the Hawks Bay, McLean Park this Saturday night, uh, and Origin, mate. we got a big day today, all about Origin. Lots going on in the rugby league world, but sport world in general, Um Things are starting to move. Things are starting to really move. The uh, the World Cup is starting to ramp up. I loved that chat with Victor Vito yesterday. Um, he just articulated for me what the French are doing and why they are actually in front of New Zealand. You know, and to to have an an All Black. I've been thinking about it all afternoon yesterday. Like you would think that the New Zealand rugby would get these guys together in a think tank. Mm. You know what I mean? So you think you think about it, Dan Carter, Richie McCall, Victor Vito, um, and you get your current, you know, Conrad Smith, you got your current players, Artie Severs and all that, that sit in there and ask them what they think about rugby and what's the best thing for rugby going forward. Like Victor, Victor Vito, for me, made two really smart comments yesterday. One, yes, I think we should be picking players who are overseas if they're good enough. And two, the one where he said, well, they play 150 kilogram props and they're not worried about skin folds. They're worried about football. That's an old story from way back in the 80s when, when a coach that I knew who thought he was like a scientist was talking about the ins and outs and, and science of football and Fatty Vaughton stepped up and said, mate, you just pick the best players. The best footballers win football games. Mm. And just, you know, keep that kiss scenario, you know, keeping it simple. Victor Vito was <laughs> talking like that to me yesterday and I, I, I thought... Probably, I texted straight away, I said, mate, probably for a sports person, one of the best interviews we've had was Victor Vito um, and just how candid he was in and around. Yeah, and the other thing about him, like he's an ex-All Black, but he wasn't holding back. 
And no. I, and I loved that. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, uh, so many, I think, former All Blacks are beholden to NZR for gigs or Sky, who are part owned by NZR for gigs. So they have to be careful what they say, for, you know, for their future career prospects, I guess. But uh, Victor Vita, not in that camp. He's gone offshore. He's earned all those francs or all those euros. He doesn't have to worry about it so much anymore. And uh, yeah, he can just speak his mind and say what he thinks, which is great to see. Um, so, yeah, no, Victor Vita, 100%. Guarantee. Yeah. Uh, does, does, he, does he pick up a gig? And, you know, like I think probably reading between the lines, he does have a place in the hurricane setup. You know, you'd... You'd tend to think that you've come back out of the French system uh, with La Rochelle, and you're you're sitting here in New Zealand, and and we've got this. Oh, there's not enough coaches going around. Mm. Well, here's a World Cup winner, two World Cups. Here's a World, um, I guess, club winner with La Rochelle, and knows how to how to win it at the top level. You'd have to be considering him. Yeah, you'd have to be. I mean, the the, the oil that um, Smithy's got is that Clark Laidlaw's going to. Get the Canes job, but I mean that's not to say that Victor Vita can't be part of that setup, right? I mean he's only, still only thirty six, well he's young. He's very young for a coach, and you know if he wanted to, I guess further his career as a coach, you know getting in at thirty six in the Super Super Rugby, I think he's done. You can't argue about his um, apprenticeship. You know he's done his apprenticeship. They've they've gone on for some some pretty um, good success, and even that one point win that they had just the other day. Well, I'd be, you know, I'd be knocking on Victor's door or talking to his manager to see what his future is because, um, yeah, the other part about that he's articulate as well. Yeah, he can articulate. He's, what he's a lawyer, he's, I think. Isn't yeah, he? yeah. As he was saying, like he's got a law degree. You know, he's fluent in French, and we've had a number of um, people up there in France saying, "Oh, Victor's calling me, and he's correcting me on a lot of things." And uh, and just the way that he was candidly talking to us yesterday, you could actually see the way that he build rapport with players as well. Um, and having walked in those shoes, you know he's two. He's a, he's a two-time World Cup winner. Like experience-wise, uh, there's, there's probably not that many better. Well, speaking of winners, we've got plenty of winners on the show today, Kempi. Well, we have, and we've got a massive day. Like pretty excited about today because Gordy Tallis is coming on. We did a pre-record with him, me and yourself. Uh, he's going to be coming up at seven o'clock. And you don't want to miss it because mm. he gives you an insight into the Queensland jersey and exactly what it means to Queenslanders and how they go about building that reputation up there um, with the Maroons. We've got Angus Hamilton in between this coming on to talk about the Tennis French Open before 8 o'clock. But then we're heading back to Rugby League and we're going to Adam Reynolds for more than an athlete. Um, he, runs a he, he supports a charity over in... Uh, uh, Aussie, and we thought because they're coming over here to play with the Warriors, we'll get to the uh, young man Adam Reynolds. So I'm looking forward to that because he is the Brisbane Broncos at the moment. And of course, Brandy, who's the assistant coach for New South Wales, we'll talk to him uh, later on after eight o'clock and about New South Wales and how they're preparing. We've got a lot of other stuff to talk about. Kempe's kicker, don't forget, between seven and eight. So if you think you've got a winner either today, Friday or Saturday, then you can put that through. You have to get it in before eight o'clock and we'll pick one lucky punter to go into the Kempe's kicker. We're talking to Paulie Mawadi, obviously. We'll do off the back fence. And, uh, mate, it's origin time. There's plenty on in rugby league at the moment. Yeah, plenty on, mate. Plenty on. You're not wrong. Uh, the one thing we haven't talked about so far this morning is last night over in Australia, Melbourne, there was a big fight card. I think there were eight fights on the main card. Only two of them went to a decision. So you got six knockouts, uh, including a big first-round knockout for Joe Parker, mate. Yeah, like... If you're, if you're thinking of comebacks um, and you're thinking of Joe Parker and where does he head next 
there's no more emphatic way to do it than a first round knockout. And if you see that this morning, you see it on your socials, just the way that he he demolished uh, the opponent. He's ha- I've ta- I've, I saw Joe Parker when he was a kid um, at Sky City Boxing. You know, this is when Joe Parker was just coming out and just starting to to make a name for himself. The thing that I noticed about Joe Parker sitting ringside was his hand speed. Yeah. And just last night, one of, I reckon I counted about seven punches he threw and four of them just slipped past uh, the head of his opponent, but the other three connected and he knocked him out in the first round. He made short work of it last night. So happy for Joe Parker. Uh, The question is, where does he go now? Tyson Fury, you know, he couldn't wait to get back in the ring in his his gypsy attire. (laughs) He makes me laugh with those suits that he wears. But, you know, he's... Come down here to promote Joe Parker. Joe Parker's done the job, got out and, and cleaned it up in the first round. It would be all, all on everyone's lips this morning is what's next for Joe Parker. Yeah, looking forward to seeing where that does go. I think there's probably another fight or two in Australia. Uh, you think it, you think the market, don't you? You think the Australian market is where they're trying to trying to hit? Yeah, well, I think he's saturated it in the UK, right? Um, so he needs... He needs to go somewhere else for a little while and build a reputation again. So he's come down to Australia. He's had that fight last night. I think he fights at least once more there, and it'll be a bigger fight. It'll be a uh, uh, Lucas Brown or a Justice Honey, and then he will go back and he might fight AJ again. Or you know, I think there's unfinished business with Dillian White, but he but, just he, he needs to he needs to kind of build somewhere else and then go back again. Yeah, the Justin Honey fight would be a, a really interesting one after you know. You look at the, the the opponent that fought both Hooney now and Joseph Parker. Man, if I was sitting in, in Justice Hooney's um, camp, I would actually be staying away from Joe Parker at the moment. I think I think there's a definite ch- um, class difference there. But if you if you're talking about boxing down here in uh, Australia, well, there is not that many other uh, other boxers that can come out and fight him unless you bring someone into town. So. The other part of that, as we've seen, is that Kiwis go over to Australia to make their name. Yep. You know what I mean? So you had that with, uh, oh, there's a number of our, our boxes we have hit over, headed over to Australia. Well, um, all the Peach Boys, you know, are fighting yeah. over there now because that's the next step. They're beating everyone in, in New Zealand. Yeah, and, we, and of course you got, you know, Dean Lonergan um, breaking into that circuit over there too and trying to find the best Australian boxes and take, the, take our Kiwi boxes over there. So it does sort of make sense that, you know, if they do try... Um, to take Joe up for that next shot that they're going to try and take it through that Australian market um, back into that that global market. Yeah, Uh, so that uh, leads us into this. Can't wait question of the day. The can't wait question of the day for you is Joseph Parker. He's fought some very good fighters. He's got a lot of support out of the UK, someone like the Gypsy King in his corner. He's come down here, he's getting back on the horse Will he fight for the heavyweight title again? And who do you think he will fight? That's your can't wait question of the day. Will Joe Parker fight for a, hev- a world heavyweight title again? Kempe, uh, I, I think he will. I mm. think it's a, it's a matter of time. Tyson Fury is great for the sport, but I don't think he's got too many more in him. I think he wants AJ to get a few wins under his belt because AJ versus Fury is what all the British promoters wants, what Sky and England want. That will be a massive payday for him. He may have to fight Usyk, but I don't think he's got any more than probably two fights left in him. Tyson Fury, then he'll call it a day. And once he goes, that heavyweight landscape, there's a lot of very good heavyweights out there. AJ, 
uh, Joe Joyce, um, you know, Deontay Wilder's making a comeback, uh, there's Andy Ruiz Jr., uh, there's there's a whole bunch of them, but they're all beatable as well, and I think uh, Joe Parker's every chance of fighting for uh, a world heavyweight title again. Yeah, and you're dead right, the heavyweight um, division, it's it's great to see it back to the, I guess, the the... What is it? The early '80s, the late '80s of the Tyson days, when you had Holyfield and and a and a heap of others that could just go up and win a title. Um, and look, I tend to agree. I think the question around Joe Parker, like when does he fight and, and who does he fight and does he get another shot at the title? I I don't think Tyson Fury is wasting his time with Joseph Parker. You know, the, the you couldn't. It's nice to have a promoter like Warren, you know, Frank Warren or someone like that behind you, mm. but it's even better to have someone like Tyson Fury behind you pushing your barrow too, saying, well, because you, you've got to imagine Tyson Fury, because they're so close. So I read something yesterday, he said, well, I'd much rather give him my belts and fight him. Mm. Um, and it'd be the same type of thing when you're talking to promoters, well, if you're going to get me on the card, I actually want you to look after Joseph Parker. We need to, we need to start promoting this kid and pushing him up. And getting him another world title shot. So you got to remember he's got he's been the he's been the distance with Anthony Joshua um, Ruiz. He's he's won that one. Yeah, he's only been knocked out once in a in a heavyweight contest, which is quite impressive through his record. Um, and if he can continue to build, I reckon he's still young for a heavyweight. Yeah, he's still I, only what thirty. Yeah, I think he I think he definitely gets another shot. And the the um, for me last night, and this is how big these heavyweights are. Joe Parker's looked small next to the heavyweights that he's fought. Yep. Last night, he looked like a giant. You know, So he's starting to get some size and grow into that body of his, which is what we've always um, knew that he would do. And let's just hope that he continues down that path of winning so that he does get another shot. There you go. That is your can't wait question of the day. Let us know what you think. 0800 150 811 or 8833 is the temper and bedpost text machine 8833. Uh, also on that card last night was David Nika, who we talked to during the week. Uh, he's uh, come back at Cruiserweight. He had another win against Louis Masters, a TKO decision in the fourth round as well. And he said to me the other day when we talked to him, he wants to be fighting every four to six weeks. He just wants to keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. Uh, that's his plan. So uh, I think uh, things are looking bright for David Nika as well. Yeah, and yeah, we've always we've always seen sort of seen and heard about uh, Dave and where he's going to go to next. I, look, I just hope that he get instead of just going around with journeyman that he actually starts to step up those levels and and put himself at right you know in the firing line for a shot. You know, so I, look, it's like you can go and play rugby league, yeah, and you can play. You can either play in the NRL or you can go and play second division in England, and you can make a living. And I think he he needs to step out of the second division. I think he needs to step into the Premier League, and he needs to put himself out there and fight blokes that he knows are going to be pretty hard to beat. And once he does that, then we'll see the potential of Dave um, Nika. Yep. Well, that's uh, that's going to be interesting to see what he does because I think he might have some unfinished business back here. Now, what he does with this, I don't know. But at the moment, I think the uh, New Zealand cruiserweight champion is Jerome Pamplone. But he's gone back to light heavyweight. He's not really a cruiserweight. Mm. Uh, so he's gone back to light heavyweight. David Light is, yeah. is ranked as a cruiserweight but, if, will he, but will Dave fight again? Well, that's what we don't know. That's yeah. at the moment. I would say. I mean, I'm, I'm, I I don't know. Uh, but everything I've heard about uh, his recovery is that if he does, it won't be soon. 
Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't. So, uh, you know, d- does David just want to put that to bed, get the New Zealand cruiserweight belt, and then and then move on? Um, I, th- I think uh, that's a possibility. He did say to us that he wants to come back to New Zealand for a little bit, uh, wants to bring his girlfriend back, show her around. So maybe there is a fight in New Zealand at some point in the near future. So, um uh, looking uh, forward to seeing that. Keep your texts coming through on that. Double eight double three is the temper and bedpost text machine, or you can call us 0800 150 The can't wait question of the day. Will Joe Parker fight for the heavyweight title again? Give us your thoughts, and you could win a Chemist Warehouse Mayhem prize pack valued at $200. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse and their friends at Swiss. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Chemist Warehouse June catalog sale is on now. Find Masashi 100% whey 900 gram protein powder, only $49.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. It's 6.24 here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. You can call us anytime, 0800 150 or text us on the Temper and Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost, range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Our can't wait question of the day today is Joseph Parker. Will he fight for a heavyweight title again? And I had a few texts on this one, Kempi. Yeah, there's a couple in here, and uh, after the Joyce fight, uh, this one's from uh, from Shane. He says, "I don't see Parker having the goods to challenge the top tier guys." Um, look, I think you can add a few more other names to that. You know, um, Ruiz, Joyce, uh, Joshua. You know, and he's gone. He's gone the distance. Won one, lost one. I think. I think he basically what that says is that he can fight at that level. Um, here's another one from Stephen. He goes, "Good morning, lads. As much as I like Parker, I just don't think he's big enough. Every time he fights someone of significance, he becomes unstuck. But either way, I wish him the best and have a great day." And that's from Steve. And of course, you know that's what I was saying. Like he, he, last night he looked like a giant, but you get into that ring, Tyson against a Tyson Fury. You know that those guys. Are, they are giants at heavyweight. Mm. And unfortunately, the, that's the problem that I have when I'm looking at Joseph Parker, because I actually agree with Steve-O, is that the one thing that he doesn't have is the size when he jumps into that that next level. Because at the moment, like back in, back in um, Tyson's day, a lot of them were pretty much the same height. But these days, I don't know whether it's the milk. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, Mike, seven foot. Mike Tyson was a, was a heavyweight champion for, for a long time at 5 foot 10. Right, yeah. and you know he was fighting guys who were six two, but you know you're talking here. I mean, Parker's six four, Joshua's six six, Joyce is about six eight, Tyson Fury's six nine. Mm. So they're they're just bigger specimens in general right across uh, the park. Uh, this one from John Parker definitely has another shot. Males don't reach their physical prime till they're thirty five. He can build he can build his way back up. So John thinks there is opportunity. Also, John said that. Uh, also, just wanted to thank you guys, uh, Swiss and the Chemist Warehouse, for the prize pack I received yesterday. A little goes a long way in my house, and this will go a long way to keeping my healthy, uh, my family healthy over the winter. Thanks to the team at SENZ. That one from John. So thank you, John. And we do have another one of those packs to give away today. We'll announce that sort of uh, just before 8 o'clock. Uh, our can't wait question of the day. Keep your texts coming through, and you can call us anytime as well, of course, on 0800 150 811, because... 
Not only will you throw yourself in uh, the draw for that Chemist Warehouse Mayhem prize pack, if you call us, uh, you could also, as part of the Alexandra Park talkback that we're going to do at around 7.20, you could uh, score yourself this. How good is this? Uh, May Cup Night Harness Racing Carnival at Alexandra Park. Visit alexandrapark.co.nz. A table for eight at Alexandra Park's premium top-of-the-park restaurant valued at over $1,200 could be yours by calling us through the show as well, 0800 150811. But another text there from Mark Kempe. Yeah, he's, uh, just, to, just to talk about that harness racing too, remember it's the uh, Auckland Cup, the Trillion Trust Auckland Cup this uh, Friday night with all and the... And the Row Cup as well, right? And the Row Cup with all yeah. the good uh, good horses going around. Um, yeah, there's an, uh, another one here that says, Morning boys, let's be honest, Joe Parker's fight last night was exactly what he said it would be. He was at a different level to the fella he fought. Joe's on the ladder again and he will be... What does he say there? Stepping he, up with stepping a class up of with fighter. A, yeah, and he's versing, I think, in three more. Uh, then he calls someone out for a title shot, but probably not until Fury's retired. That's a really interesting one, Rick. You know, like, is it is it that Fury is setting it up for his own retirement that Joe Parker comes in underneath him? That's what I'm saying. Like, when Fury's doing the negotiation, he's saying, look, I'll, I'll take this, 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 and this. And he steps away from one of them and says, "But I've got a replacement for you, which is Parker." Yeah, and Parker fights for them for the vacant title when when he when he steps aside against whoever that happens to be. Well, mate, that that actually could become a reality because they're always looking for fighters when someone steps down. So Fury could actually have a plan here, couldn't he? Yeah, totally could. Uh, Tim from Christchurch has called through on 0800-150-811. Morning, Tim. How are you? Well, in the woods. Yeah, pretty good. Um, I reckon it's all going to be dependent on his management and the next couple of fights that he gets, you know, like, as you say, uh, Kempi, like, he went the distance with Joshua, but not only with Joshua, he went the distance when he was at his absolute peak, you know, he's definitely, Joshua's definitely on the slide, but, you know, he, you still haven't seen him against, like, a Dante Wilder or, or you know, someone like that, but, you know, if he can get, say, if he could get that Dillian White boss back, because um, he was close to winning that fight, and if he can get that one back, then he can step up to that upper echelon again. But, but as you say, like, the biggest problem he's got is he's never going to be as big as those big, big boys, and Joe Joyce just walked through him, you know? Mate, we're just talking about, uh, about that, Tim, uh, around his management and the and the people that are uh, behind him. Do you think he, he probably should move out of his camp and into Fury's roster? Well, the thing that reinvigorated his career, I reckon, was changing his uh, trainer. Mm. So maybe he needs to change it up again. And, and if he wants to, you know, like if, he, if he jumps under Frank Warren or one of those guys over in the UK, they're going to get him better fights. And I know he's working with them, but not actually working for them before. And he's going to get those big fights, especially over there where a lot of those top guys are now, you know. But it would be really interesting to see him in the ring with Usyk, wouldn't it? Because Usyk's about the same size, or maybe a bit smaller. Yeah, Usyk is slightly I think Usyk's about 6'2", six, 6'3", six, so Parker would have a little bit of size on him. But, I mean, Usyk's a dangerous man. You know, he can he, his movement in the ring is great. You know, I mean, that's what did Joshua was his movement. And that's what I think Joe's lost a bit of. He used to be slick. He used to be a real boxer's boxer, you know. Like, he got in and he dropped a few punches and got out. And... Uh, yeah, I think Andy Lee's getting that back with them, but, you know, I think the next couple of fights, 
or make or break his career. Yeah, good stuff, Tim. Thanks very much for your call, mate. Uh, you can call us any time, 0800 150 Tim is in the draw to win that uh, Chemist Warehouse Mayhem prize pack valued at $200. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse and their friends at Swiss. It is 29 away from 7 and time to catch up with the other half for news with Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. <laughs> Thank you, Araha. Time for some sports news headlines now. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. World 15 coach Steve Hansen has welcomed the decision to raise the rainbow flag above Twickenham for their game against the Barbarians on Sunday after he named Israel Folau in his squad. Folau, an evangelical Christian, had his Wallabies contract terminated in 2019 after he posted a meme on social media that said hell awaits homosexual people and other groups. He then returned to international rugby last year with Tonga. British media have reported that the uh, Rugby Football Union will respond to Folau's selection with a show of support for the LGBTQ community by flying the rainbow flag. It's a consequence of Folau's selection and I think it's a good thing. It's an opportunity to show support to that flag. I don't have a problem with it, said Hansen. There wouldn't be one if Israel wasn't playing. So whenever we can bring attention to people who are suffering in a positive way, that's good. They deserve to be loved and cared for as much as anybody else. If we all did it, it'd be a happy place, wouldn't it? Hansen, who led the All Blacks to the World Cup in 2015, said people might be hurt by his decision to pick Folau, but added that he does not agree with the player's views. He said he's a rugby player first and foremost. He's been sanctioned. Those sanctions are finished. He's playing rugby. He's probably going to go to the World Cup, so my job is to pick the best team, and that is what I have done. Yeah. Good on Steve Henson for uh, coming out and front footing what is uh, obviously going to be a big story around this World 15 with any team that uh, has Israel Folau in it. Um, Look, I'll take my hat off to Steve Henson for just uh, the comment that he makes. It would be a better place if we all just got on with it. Uh, is so right. Yeah, 100%. you know what I mean. So let people, let people be themselves. That's exactly exactly right. Um, you know, and look, I'm looking forward to the game. You know, he's he's, he's Put, put that out there, I'm picking Israel Folau. Like, Israel Folau's career, take away everything else on the football field, you tell me anyone who's had a better career in both codes. Yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing. He's one of the few that's managed to cross codes and, and, and do it successfully, right, to the, to the level that he's done it, um, for sure. Uh, one former Kiwi centre will retire from Hull Kingston Rovers, and a current Kiwi centre is going to replace him at the Super League club. Sean Kenny Dow, the Hull KR captain, has confirmed he's going to hang up his boots at the end of the season, but he's been replaced by a former Warriors stalwart, Peter Hicku. The 35-year-old's uh, call came a day after the East Yorkshire club announced that it signed Hiku from the North Queensland Cowboys on a three-year deal from 2024. Willie Peters, the coach, said he play he plans to play Hiku at fullback, but values the adaptability of his new recruit. He said Peters' versatility will be an asset with us uh, next season. He can play fullback, five eighths, and centre equally well. He's a strong leader and a motivated winner. What do you reckon? Is that are you surprised that Hiku's going? to Super League now because he had such a great season last season with the Cowboys. Yeah, look, I think Peter Hickey's getting on to and been up there already once, you know, going back for a second uh, stint. Willie Peters, ex-South to Newcastle halfback, coaching up there, doing a good job. Um, and they have to find a replacement for, if any, not many, Sean Kenny um, <laughs> because Sean's you know getting on a lot now and I think it's a, a great way how he announced his retirement yesterday through the socials. Uh, he's had a wonderful career. 
you know, and you know, your body can only go for so long, and it's been going for so long at the top level with Sean. They, they've they've had um, some pretty uh, good times up there while he's been playing for the teams that he's he's played in. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's curtain time, you know. And I think the replacement for him. Mate, Peter Hicku up there in that competition, he's going to carve up. 17 years, I think, is a pro, Sean Kenny Dow. That's yep. 17 years of playing rugby league is a long time. It's a great story. Like, uh, he wasn't being seen over here. So him and his dad just went to Sydney and thought, oh, we'll just jump in a comp. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, he got in a comp and then he started playing well and then he was in the NRL system. And then, mate, where does Sean Kenny kid come from? You know, and uh, I've been in a few camps, New Zealand camps with him. He's such a good guy. You know, he's he's one of the genuine good guys. So him and, and the, the thing with when he came into the Kiwi team, he was with Jared Warrior Hargraves when he went to Sydney City as well. Like the two of them together, the two of them together, you'd put both their names on a team sheet first because they were basically building that culture around that Kiwi team at the time. So, uh, big big shout out to Sean Kenny Dow, his whānau, uh and the career that he's had. It's been fantastic, uh, and to announce it the way that he's done it in Hulk, I'll take my hat off to Willie Peters and the boys over there, um, and the sign and Peter Hiku too. Great, great work, you fellas, for doing that uh, the right way. Keep your text coming through, double eight, double three. Uh, Tim is uh, just chipping in on a Eurasrael Folau comment there, saying Brad Thorne won World Cups in both codes, Uncle. Uh, yeah, he did, but he wasn't top try scorer, was he? And he didn't didn't uh, didn't get all the chocolates like uh, Israel Folau. Look, I, and I and don't get me wrong, Timmy, I rate Brad Thorne. You know, great great player, um, played in the middle of the park, and uh, we're going to talk about Brad Thorne, Timmy, uh, later on in the week because I'm. Actually catching up with Kevin Campion on Saturday down in Hastings and going to do a, like a little podcast with him that we're going to put on our podcast uh, on SEN uh, about his time here at the Warriors. But uh, being the what I call the the shorter version of Brad Thorne in the, in the competition. Because <laughs> you remember they played together up in Brisbane before he came mm. here uh, to the Warriors and, of course, uh, famously knocked out Shane Webke and that little scuffle that they had down on the park at Mount Smart. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll do some fly-on-the-wall stuff. And uh, look, good call. Good call, Tim. But I'm talking a little bit more about the flashy stuff. There you go. Uh, keep your text coming through, double eight, double three. Remember, I can't wait question of the day as well around Joseph Parker. Do you think he'll ever fight for a heavyweight title again? And uh, a couple of texts come through. Parker's secret spices speed. At that weight last night, he looked sharp, and his speed was on point. When he puts on the weight, he loses that edge. Thanks for that text as well. Keep them coming through, double eight, double three. Time now. For Quizzy Kempe, your chance to win a $50 TAB bonus bet. Not too far for the weekend, so a good time to fill up. Give us a call now, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Quizzy Kempe is next. Don't Google a lie. Phone a friend, you'll be fine. Just listen for the signs. TAB with the prize. 50 bucks if you're wise. If you're wrong, and then we'll say goodbye. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Quizzy, they come play it. Quizzy, they come play it. 0800 150 811. Now give us a call. Yes, yeah, so 0800 150 811. And if you're a new caller, 
kids, they go straight to the top because we're going to give them a chance to win a TAB $50 bonus bet. And don't forget, uh, Rick Dog's here and he'll give you a clue if you get stuck in today's uh, quiz. And I can say, best of luck. That's all I'm going to say to the callers today because Rick Dog is putting the questions together and she's a toughie this morning. So we're going to go to the lines now. We're going to go to Simon in Auckland. Morning, Simon. Morning. How are you going, boys? Yeah, good, mate. Let's have a let's have a crack at this, eh, and see if we can get you paid. How many points did the Celtics beat the Heat by in Game Four yesterday? Ooh, was it seventeen? There you go. You're off to a flyer. Which former Scotland international will coach Northman in this season's NPC? Four. Can I? I can't remember. Can I get a clue? It's a lady's name. Uh, Three. John Leslie. John Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Googling away. Yep. This is the one. Since 2005, the big Rafa, that's Rafa Nadal, has won the French Open 14 times. Man, that's plenty. How many of those finals did he beat Roger Federer in? Um, three. Just, oh, two. Three. Yeah, I'll go three. Three. <laughs> 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 yeah. Unlucky. Unlucky. Good try, Simon. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. We're going up to Mungawai and we're going to talk to Kerry. Morning, Kerry. How are you this morning? Good, boys. How are you? Yeah, very good, mate. What's, what's it like up there? Any surf? Uh, no, it's pretty calm at the moment. So, yeah. Oh, that's right. Get, get, get in your boat. Get, get in your boat. Go and get some snapper. Drop some off here at the offices down at Saatchi and Saatchi. We'll be very thankful for that day. Let's go, to, let's go to question number three. Since 2005, Rafa Nadal has won the French Open 14 times. How many of those finals did he beat Roger Federer in? Uh, uh, you want to go for a clue? Four. Um, cuatro. What? Bang. I thought he was talking about a car. Anyway. <laughs> the Audi Quattro. <laughs> anyway, question number four. Joe Parker scored a first-round knockout win in Melbourne last night. How many of his 35 pro fights has he won by knockout? That's a toughie. Um, Eleven. There you go. Sorry about that, Kerry. Uh, we'll talk to you again. Let's go to Brenton up here in Tamaki. Morning, Brenton. Uh, how are you, boys? Yeah, mate. How do you get it? How are you getting to number three? You're normally off the off the top, but we'll go we'll go back to you. Let's go. Joe Parkey scored a first round knockout last night in Melbourne. How many of his 35 pro fights have, has he won by knockout? Don't know. Can I have a clue, brother? Two little ducks. <laughs> it's good too, Rick. Very good. Two little ducks. Four, three, two. Twenty-one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're closer. You're closer than uh, the last bloke was. Put it that way. I, t- I told you she's a toughie, Lammy. How you going, mate? Oh, oh, good. Keep you love that. Good, you love brother. that. You love that song, eh, Lammy? Oh, you. Still doing. Lisa. Lisa. Um, I've been thinking better than Lizzie anyway, you know, 
<laughs> Cut it out. Hey, all right. How how many uh, knockouts oh. has Joe Parker won out of his thirty five pro fights? I just finished googling it. I just finished googling. No, I didn't. Oh, I only, oh, say eighteen. Oh, I like your right. I like your honesty, Lemmy. Well done. Mate, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you in. We'll keep you in the in the uh, firing line. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon, Lammy. See you later, Richie. Upper heart. How you go, mate? Yeah, good, Kempi. Um, lucky I went to bingo last night. I'll go twenty-two. There you go. Nicely done. Twenty-two. Well done. The money question: Australia beat France because it's World Cup year this year. So we're going to go there a number of times with our quiz. Thirty-five, twelve in the nineteen ninety-nine Rugby League. A rugby World Cup. Jesus, as he went like that. <laughs> How many points did Matt Burke score in that match? <laughs> oh, was it five for a try? 35. Uh, we'll go 20. Close, Richie. Close, but not close enough. See ya. See ya, See ya. mate. We'll go to Mike in Christchurch. Morning, Mike. How you going, guys? Going well, mate. Uh, Australia beat France 35-12 in the 1999 Rugby World Cup final. How many points did Matt Burke score in the match? Uh, can I get a clue? You want a clue? Uh, ooh, I, haven't got it. I actually haven't worked out a clue for this, but Burke, uh, was, he, he, all his points were kicked. I'll say that much. All his points were kicked. Okay. Uh, I'll go 15. Sorry, Mikey, we're going to Craig and Tauranga. More than 15. More than 20, actually. Those, those have been the two answers so far. It's more than both of those. Matt Burke scored a number of points in the game against uh, France when they played in the 99 World Cup. How many points did he score? 25. There you go. There you go. Done. Cheers, a toughie, Ricardo, and well done to Mike who's picked up that $50 bonus bet it is who was it oh Craig sorry um, that was Craig that won that sorry about that uh, it is six, 651 Craig enjoy it 651 and we'll go to a break and we'll be back straight after this listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ at the 150, it's uh, Caitlin's West, the leader. Leads a length and a half from shooting to Sachs. Uh, running on late also is the flight plan, but Caitlin's Wish too good. Caitlin's Wish will win it second over was shooting to Sachs. Third over, flight plan, I think, in a photo with love affirmation. Yep, well, let's hope you got on and got paid yesterday because Caitlin's Wish for Stephen Altred and Jockey Maria Sanson got the job done yesterday with a three-and-a-half length win, and it paid $4.14.80. So, uh yeah, that's a that's a nice little win that one there. I was watching that uh, Rick Dog during running it straight yesterday, and Sammy Hewitt was wondering why I was throwing my hands around in the air because uh, I knew that a few of the boys follow us in, um, and we hope hopefully got you paid. Yeah. How, uh, much, how much did you put on that, Kimpy? I'm not At saying. Four fifty. I'm not saying, mate. Coffee's on you, though. I don't, I don't want people chasing me. <laughs> 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 anyway, Hall of Famer Darren Beadman. This is some news coming out. Can is convinced superstar jockey James McDonald won't be at the peak of his riding career for at least another five years, mate. Imagine that. It's an extraordinary assessment of McDonald's career trajectory as he closes in on his fifth consecutive Sydney Jockey Premierships this season. So he's been the top jockey over there since 2013. 
um, which is absolutely amazing for uh, McDonald, who's only 31 years of age. He's already ridden more than 2,000 career winners, 78 at Group 1 level, including wins in the Everest on Nature Strip, Melbourne Cup, very elegant, Cox Plate, Animo, uh, the Golden Slipper on Moss Fun, Australian Derby on Dundee, and major race wins in Hong Kong and England. McDonald, who earned the coveted um, Loggins World's Best Jockey title, also in 2022. James McDonald is an absolute freak. I don't want to read through his uh, his resume because it is so impressive it's going to take up too long um, to read that through. So congratulations on that accolade for, for James McDonald. I actually, I believe Darren Beeman. I think that James McDonald's still got the best um, to come. We've got a couple of races today uh, that I've had a look at and there's one here, uh, just going to pull the race up here in a sec, that uh, I like. It is in Hastings race number two, Orchestral. Uh, race number three, number eight, Orchestral. I think that's worth a little bit of a punt today. I'd also go to race eight, number four, and have a look at that. I think I think uh, tough test Harry's worth a bet. And if you want to just multi up, multi it up with race six, number one, I think that's also a chance. Nice work here. There's your love racing update. Grab your mates. Get on course. Visit events.loveracing.nz to find a race day near you. Here's Araha with the latest in news and sport for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Four past seven on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast here on SENZ and Kempe. Uh, sad news this morning's just come through. Thanks, Paddy, uh, for your text on this as well. But uh, Tina Turner, absolute legend of uh, of eighties and nineties chart rock, uh, has passed away at the age of eighty three. And of course, uh, you know, always this part of the world synonymous with the NRL. That's exactly right. That's a song there that uh, I think the year may have been eighty nine with. Uh, where they done that, so uh, it was about the launch of the season, and Tina Turner came over and and did that with, and all the teams came down in groups to to do, uh, you know, like a hype reel and put it to that song, and and it's played out. You can check it on YouTube, and uh, we actually got to meet her and and uh, meet her a couple of times because also played in a I played in a second grade grand final, which she's brought over by the the uh, the NRL to to accompany the the trophy down onto the football field. So um, sad news, mate. Like. Um, Big part of my youth growing up. Mm. Before I made it into the NRL, I used to love listening to Tina Turner when she um, when she brought out all of her new stuff, her, her single stuff. And uh, to hear that news this morning, you know, that's uh, yeah, I mean, it, it sort of puts perspective around uh, actually how old you're getting. <laughs> yeah. um, I know, yeah, you know, I know it's a really sad day that that we've lost another icon. But um, I like to remember, like when I hear that song, Kiss put it on. I was like, mate, you know that song? That's the 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 old song where they they kicked off the season in '89, I think it was. So, um, yeah, condolences there on, on that one. Um, 
always be known for rugby league, Tina Turner. Totally, in this part of the world, definitely, definitely. It is uh, five past seven coming up on the show. Uh, we are going to catch up with Angus Hamilton later on to talk French Open. After eight o'clock, uh, Adam Reynolds from the Brisbane Broncos is going to join us. We're going to catch up with Brandy Alexander as well, the assistant coach of uh, the New South Wales Blues. But yesterday, we caught up with a man they call Raging Bull. It's you're on SENZ, it's Breakfast with Izzy and Kempe, and we're talking state of origin with one of the legends from the Maroon jersey, a man they used to call Raging Bull, Gordy Tallis joins us from the other side of the ditch. G'day Gordy, how you doing? Um, look, I'm fantastic. Obviously, origin time, the team's got announced earlier this week, so it's uh, it's full steam ahead, but both squads are really good, I like it, I like uh, I like our Queensland side. Um, New South Wales is always strong there. They can never pick a weak New South Wales side. So, Gordon, just talk to me about Tavita Pungai Jr. You know, like he's played probably a good game, half a good game in the last two years and finds himself <laughs> in the blue jersey. Is that a good thing for, for the Maroons or is it just a tactic that uh, Freddie's used to try and wind all the, all the Maroon players up? Well, there's two things. So last night, so I don't know whether you saw, but on 360 there was an article where three years ago he said that he'd rather play for Queensland. So I don't know how that's going down um, in Blues camp, that he said that that he grew up and his heroes were Justin Hodges, Sam Thiday and Greg Inglis, and he, and he would prefer to play for Queensland. He wanted his parents to move up to Queensland. So I don't know how he's going to sell that yeah. to his teammates. But, um, mate, he's all chips in. So... Uh, Kempi, like you're right. So obviously he's one of those players, and he's probably sold everybody on how much talent he's got. But his consistency has probably let him down at times. But there's no doubt that um, we spoke to Brad Fittler last night. He is all chips in, so he can go and he could be absolutely man of the match and blow the game wide open, or he can have one of those performances. So um, time will tell. But there's a lot of pressure. I open up the paper, and all in New South Wales, all as it is about you know, what Payne Guy is going to do to Queensland. So if he reads that, and I've been in those shoes, trying to live up to that person that's in the paper is really hard to do. That's yeah. the hardest thing to do, is live up to that guy in the paper. Yeah, that's exactly right. And just touching on that, because this is a really interesting time for Origin. I've counted, and I'm not counting, I'm not very good at Ming Mass, Gordy, but I've counted 11 uh, Tongans and Samoans in the side Yep. With you being, you know, you, you, what do you think the likes of Artie Beetson, if he was still alive, and, and the Mick Cronins and the Peter Sterlings look at Origin now and see yeah. it becoming more of a Pacific Origin? Um, what are your thoughts <laughs> on it? What are your thoughts on it? Well, 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 it's a case where we, well, it's the biggest showcase, right? You know, and I've spoken to War Blacks and I've been there and that's the jersey that they want. So, for an all-black to want to swap jerseys and get a Queensland State of Origin jersey, it just shows where that game's at, right? So there's no doubt if you're a kid and you grow up here, like a Petro Sivanasiva that was born in Fiji, well, he didn't want to go play back in Fiji. He wanted to play for Queensland, and that's the state. So we're in a bit of a pickle where someone like Luai that said that he's played, I think, under 10s, 11s, 12s, all the way out at Penrith. So do you stop him from wearing the jersey of choice? Or if I went over to New Zealand when I was 10, uh, like Stephen Price's daughter, and she plays for New Zealand in netball. So that's the tough one. It's, mm. You know, when the kids have grown up and they've spent, you know, like a lot of their you know, adolescence years and they've played. But I would love to see the international game grow, right? And watch people like Luai and 
Papa Lee and Sonny Bill Williams and all those great talented players come over and want to represent their country. That I, I I still see the sea of Tongan flags when they played against England. I still see the tattoo on some of the players' legs when they beat Australia. I think that's our that's the future of our game. So if we can keep on growing the international game, then they don't have to want to play for Queensland or New South Wales. So Queensland, um, I've always said I'd rather lose being a Queenslander than win having people that aren't born in our state. So um, I know it's a touchy subject over here because, you know, some kids, as I said, like they feel like they're attached to Queensland because they moved here when they were eight or whatever. Um, so do you deny that kid the opportunity to play he fell in love with the game over here um, and he wanted to wear that jersey. It's a it's a tough situation. It is a tough situation. Or you could just do what Tony Carroll did. Play for the Kangaroos and play for the Kiwis <laughs> and play for the Kangaroos yeah, well, again. Well, well, there you go. But Tony Carroll grew up and he played down at the Bay and Brad Thorne's a perfect example, right? I played with Brad Thorne. He moved over here. He wanted to play rugby. It wasn't in his school. So he played rugby league. He played at North, North Aspley. He played all of his rugby league. And there was no rugby union. Like, my rugby league union over here, it's an elite private school game. It's not played by everybody. So Brad Thorne had to play rugby league, and he loved it. But I know that when we go into his room, he'd have, you know, the old all-black boxer shorts on, and that was a dream of his. So do we stop his dream of going back and playing for his country? Or he did both. You know, Sonny Bill Williams wanted to play State of Origin. We disallowed him. But he played all the New South Wales junior rugby league teams. So it is a tough one. So, But I think, um, <clears throat> and the game's still working on it because we don't want to knock back those kids that want to play for New South Wales that have more all Queensland. But if we can keep on growing in Samoa, Tonga, New Zealand are stronger and Fiji and, and, and Papua New Guinea, you know, and they want to play for their country over a state, our game's in better hands. Do you think then, you know, the International Rugby League, you know, they have this thing where England and New Zealand and Australia are the Tier 1 sides, and if you're one of those uh, and you're not Australian, you can't play Origin, but Tier 2 is Tonga and Samoa, etc. They're they Tier all... 1 now. No, oh, they're Tier 1. They're but... Tier 1. Yeah, but oh, I mean... no, 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 look, look, look um, I don't know whether they are officially, but one of them made a World Cup final. Mm. You cannot, yeah, exactly. But you cannot treat them now, and you can't say Tonga is not a Tier 1 nation. I think they are. I... I I believe, and if they don't believe that they are, well, there's a problem there. But I believe that they are tier one. I believe that those that those countries are as good as anybody on their day. And when they get everybody that that was born there or um, have the heritage play from, it would be a tough game. And I played one I mean, of the toughest games I've ever played against through my whole career were were certainly against the Warriors. You know, we used to beat them on the scoreboard, but you had to check yourself. And I couldn't imagine playing with the passion and the emotion that they do when they play with those states and you watch it, they don't sort of seem to have the same passion and emotion when they play for our states, but when they play for their country, it, it's, mate, it's fantastic. And every rugby league fan over here, mate, we love, like, they're our favourite games. Mate, when, when, when Samoa play Tonga, it is huge. Yeah. You know, like, mate, it's huge and it's a game that we all check in to watch because it's played in great spirit, you know, like, they go at it as hard as any two footy teams that I've ever watched, but there's this, there's a real respect after the game, you know, of their of their cultures. It's fantastic to watch. Yeah, and hopefully Volandis and Abdo are listening to you because we've got to continually grow that, Gordy, yes. uh, for the sake of our kids that are coming through. Mate, just tell me, do you think um, Freddie and Brandy are 
are, are sort of blinded by their love for Penrith with the way that they've selected the side? <laughs> no. <laughs> Mate, I'd like to think so, but don't forget they have won two competitions in a row. They've been in the last three grand finals. So uh, it's a bit dangerous. You know, I know that every time you get in a, you know, get in a rep side, you do want your combinations because when you get fatigued at the end of the game, it's really good to have someone that you can trust and you know inside and outside of you and, and that's the way that they've gone and um, I don't think they've picked a weak player and certainly the Penrith guys Toto uh, hasn't been in the form that he has been in the past but he's an, he's an unbelievable player <clears throat> uh, and you've got Cleary, Luai and Yao well they uh, well you know that's probably the best three pronged attack in our game so uh, I can't argue with the side they picked and you put I wish up, there was less Penrith players in it, to be quite honest. And you're putting up a Curacao in there. That was the point I was getting at. What happens... Uh... Yeah, yeah well, 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 you know what? And then that's, and that's what we spoke about last night, because Damien Cook's probably had the best year he's had 100%. in South Sydney on top, and they're on top of the table, and they're both really hard. So, mate, you know when you're at market Kemper, you've got someone that's really fast, or you've got a little Benny Elias that just shows all the trick shots. It doesn't really matter, because they both can punish you, you know? So... So they've gone with Happy Coruscant. Um The last three weeks, the Tigers have been absolutely outstanding. But um, I don't think Damien Cook lost his jersey. I think he would have to feel really unlucky. But don't forget, they didn't win last year's series. Mm. And let's let's hope that Uppy Curacao doesn't go down with an HIA because they're in big trouble in New South Wales if that happens. Hey, and just talk about this. Uh, you've got this young kid. We, we've seen him here with the Warriors last year, Reese Walsh at fullback. But you've got Nathan, oh, wow. Nathan Cleary's kicking game, and I'm pretty sure that Brandy and Freddie will be picking on Sal and Cobbo and uh, Murray Tailagi and Reese Walsh uh, with that kicking game. How important is that uh, uh, to the start of the sets for Brisbane, uh, for Queensland, when they're coming back out yeah, of their yeah. own half? Yeah, well, it used to be like, you know, kick it to the old fullback and he'd be on his own. When we were playing Kempion, we just used to run down and beat him up, but now <laughs> they've got these big wingers that go back and they link, and it's really important. And I got some stats at Fox last night and I saw, you know, how much <clears throat> uh, the Queensland back five, and I'm talking Val Holmes, um, Tabuai Fido and um, Murray and Cobbo, they make a lot of metres. Like, and they're really good at eating up metres. So they're going to have to be great on their night. And obviously, Reese Walsh is going to be under pressure. I'm, I'm sure Cleary's going to put up a couple of knuckleballs. But once he catches, you know, that's, mate, that's a big part of getting your sets forward and yeah, there's pressure on the back five and there's pressure on their back five too. Don't forget Tommy's carried injuries and, you know, he's got to do it and the trail. So that's where the battle's going to be won or lost, I think. Um, I'm going to back the Queenslanders. Uh, they're young, uh, they're big, uh, and at the moment they've got more stats, but the game's not played on stats. Uh, it's played on energy on the night. And hopefully our guys have more than them. Mate, so do they, they give you a call, Gordy? Does does Billy give you a call and say, mate, get in get in here, we've got this young yeah. fella, he's just like you, by the name of David Fafita, <laughs> and we've put him back into the side. Are you beside him yeah. all week for this for this game? Yeah, well, well, no, Cameron, JT and all the boys, um, but Billy did ring me yesterday, he goes, mate, where are you? I want you to come and have dinner and come down. So there's a room for you. Um, unfortunately, I'm in Sydney and they're preparing in Queensland, but um, I get back to Brisbane on Friday night, so I'll drive down and just down... They're just down the coast and it'll be nice and warm and I'll go there and have a couple of beers and have dinner with the team because, you know, there's um, for a Queensland kid, it's probably no greater time than, you know, watching your state. And I'm honoured, like, when Billy asks you to come in and all you do is just got to be around them and, you know, you smile and just, you know... I, my advice to the kids is you made it because you're playing good. Just don't change. Just do exactly what you've been doing at club level, but if you can do it at this level... 
you know, it's such a bonus. And that's what all the great players do. They don't change anything. They can just do exactly the same thing as they do on a club level, just at a higher level. Hey, Gordy, the, the, this Origin game one is in Adelaide, of course, uh, and there's lots yeah. of talk about expansion and an 18th team. Uh, and I know that Brisbane is a, you know, well, Queensland's a power base for rugby league, but do you really need an expansion, another expansion team in Queensland? If you really, if you're Abdo and those guys, and you want to take on AFL, aren't you better to put a team in Perth or maybe revamp the Adelaide Rams and put a team in South Australia and really have a crack at the AFL or in, in their own turf? Well, my theory, and I've said it a few times, um, I want a second team in New Zealand. Yeah. And I, so, do, and I do too. Because, so, well, well, well. Well, because I reckon that we would grow the pie. So I knew how how powerful the game was when the Warriors 20s were there. There were certain pathways. I know COVID probably put a hold on rugby league there. And I know we're going to be the you know, second biggest game there or third or whatever. But I know that if we show pathways for kids and there's a North Island, South Island rivalry, I know what it's like when you have a rivalry in Queensland, whether you know the Dolphins versus the Broncos or Cowboys versus the Broncos or South versus the Roosters. It just adds extra spark, you know. So um, I'm not sure everybody in New Zealand is a Warriors fan, but if you get one from their own island, I think that's growing. And there's so much talent. Like I think uh, the Polynesians, they take up nearly 50% of our game. So that's our future. So why not give them, why not give them an extra pathway in my mind? But uh, there is talk about Queensland. There's talk about Pacifica, you know, getting BG, um, PNG, and there was only a big article in the paper over here. You know, and that might be the way because um, PNG have been putting money away to get a side in, and they've been in the Queensland Cup now for about five years. So um, watch this space. But I believe another team in Queensland. I think we've got enough. Like we're, you know, there's four million people in Queensland, and we've got, you know, four teams now. I think it's about growing the pie and going to another area uh, and getting some new fans. Yeah, bring it to New Zealand. You're dead right, and uh, that's another pathway, like you said, Gordy. Hey, look, just talk, talking about, you know, in, in New Zealand, come this time of year, Gordy, everyone goes crazy. They they pull out their maroon jerseys or their blue jerseys. There you go. All of a sudden, they forget their Kiwis and uh, they they put on their Aussie accents and stuff like that. There's this really <laughs> special, um, I, I guess, when you're watching the the way that the maroons do it, like taking them in and around their their state and getting them to understand what. Yeah the rural people in your state, um, what it means to them to represent their state. Just just tell us a little bit about that and, and how it actually, people grow legs. Like I've seen players come out, and Pat Carrigan is one. Like when he came out in that series yeah. last year, it was like, wow, where did he come from? But it's got a lot to do with that, hasn't it? Yeah, well, it is. Yeah, I mean, like obviously, you know, the guys play go there, they play every week and they're playing probably for the, you know, their family and the club that they like, but when you put on this jersey, and it's and it's not like the all black jersey, but it's bigger than you. It's bigger than the game. It's bigger than the moment. So when you go and you know, there's people that go underground and manizer every day to work to keep you know our state going. And when you go up to Cooktown or like um, you go to some of those country areas where they're dying, you know that you know all the kids have come in to go to school and they don't go back in the farmers. So when you go around our state and you see when you say the real people that keep us going and they keep food on our plate and all that kind of stuff, I think it's real. Um, I think it's a real eye-opener to the boys on what our state's all about. Um, and it started about 15 years ago that that's where they go. They go to the smallest little area, like the capital city. Sometimes everybody's so busy and they don't really talk to you, but like to go back to where it all started. And some of these guys, they have never 
met a footy player. So it's such a boost for the community, but I think the players get more out of it than the community at times, just, just to realise what it means to the state, what state of origin means to Queensland and New South Wales. Hey, Gordy, just before I let you go, mate, I know you, you mentioned Fox Studios. You've been around there a bit uh, this week uh, with work and things. As an ex-Dragon, how good's it been with all those chooks? <laughs> the chooks. <laughs> the chook. Hey, listen, mate. Listen, I, listen the chooks, mate. Uh, they, are a, they are a big organisation over here, but um, everybody seems to smile when they get beaten. I'll tell you what, right? So South Sydney were waiting to play Parramatta. And they said it was the biggest cheer ever when St. George scored to beat the Roosters. They're at, a, they're at another ground. And when they put it up on the board, it was the biggest cheer of the night when the Roosters <laughs> when the Roosters got beaten. And I suppose that would be at every ground. Like they envy them. You know, like the Roosters are one of those sides. They sort of get most of the good players. And, you know, they're the glimmer side in the NRL. So any time they go down, it puts a smile on most most of the guys' faces. Yeah, I did see Tony Adams, the rugby league mole, put up why why are the Roosters playing like such busted asses? And somebody replied, "Karma," which I quite like. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Listen, no one's supposed to know who the mole is. He's supposed to be his, his secret. Tony Adams, mate, that's the secret. That's why he's called the mole. Well, no that's New Zealand, mate. No one over here. Uh, okay, no gotcha. one over here will know who Tony Adams is. <laughs> that is that is so good. You've just blown his thirty years cover. Just then on radio. I'm... Everybody knew who it was, but no one out in the public knew that it was the mob. Golden, golden, uh. Gordy, mate. Thanks so much for your time, brother. Always great to talk footy with you. Go well, mate, and uh, looking forward to Origin. Cheers, guys. There you go, Gordy. Tell us the raging bull. Uh, what would you think of that chat? Give us a call 0800 150 You can text us through to double eight double three. We do have that Alexandra Park pack to give away, of course, including a top of the park restaurant table for eight valued at over twelve hundred dollars. Give us a call. We'll take your calls after this here on SENZ. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Find Versace Pour Homme 50ml for only $59.99, but only at Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. It's 7.28 here on SENZ. You can call us anytime, 0800 150 811. Your chance to uh, have a chat now, whether it be Gordon Tallis, whether it be our can't wait question of the day regarding Joe Parker and whether or not he will ever fight for another heavyweight title, what your thoughts are, give us a call, 0800 150 811. May Cups Night Harness Racing Carnival at Alexandra Park. Visit alexandrapark.co.nz. The prize is a table for eight in Alexandra Park's premium top of the park restaurant valued at over $1,200 includes prime viewing position with floor to ceiling windows and sweeping views over the track, a delicious gourmet buffet meal and premium beverage package including wine, beers, soft drinks and spirits from the start of the first race to the start of the last race. That is Friday at Alex Park. Uh, first race gets underway around 5.30, Texas double eight double three, or you can call us on 0800 Kempi, there's been a few texts through. Yep, there is. Uh, top interview, boys. That's from Mark. Uh, look, Gordy Tallis is such a good bloke. He's uh, He's been a friend for a long time. And I remember him coming out at St. George when I first uh, got to run around against him and thought, who the hell is this kid? Where did he come from? And, of course, he was ringing wets. Uh, he would have been 90 kilos back then. And then, as we saw, as he went to the Broncos and, of course, represented Queensland Australia, he turned into an absolute raging bull, as they uh, gave him the nickname. And uh, when you chat 
chat to him, you always get like so many good stories out of him. Um, and you're dead right, Mark. That uh, that interview again tomorrow. If you come down and join us at the Portside Bay, he's going to join us, uh, Gordy, again for another chat just in and around the uh, the Brisbane Broncos and the Warriors, and talk a little bit more about that game. We're going to get him back on me and Sammy Hewitt tomorrow afternoon at three o'clock. That's the Portside Bar in Napier. Uh, there's a couple more here. Um, I've got some Kempis kickers coming through. Uh, there's some value over here in the Queensland Derby. That's one of them. Uh, we've got. Uh, one on the Warriors try scorers. We've got some more about the races in Hastings today. Uh, there's a few others. Let's uh, keep that coming in. You've got up until eight o'clock to get your kicker in. Uh, just remember, if you go into that, you get a chance to split the uh, the winnings with myself. Um, if that happens, and uh, we'll choose one of those, uh, I guess best bets of the weekend. We'll try and call it Kempy's kicker, yeah. um, and put that put that fifty dollar bonus bet on that. Yeah, a couple of uh, texts that have come through on Parker, actually. Hi, boys. I personally think Parker has never got the balance right between power and weight, and his stamina has been questionable. I'm sure he's a talent, though. That one is from Kevin. And uh, there's also this one. It says, Gents, I don't think Parker's aggressive enough. It always feels like he could have done more. He's good, but he won't outbox top guys. He needs to be more aggressive and knock these buggers out. Cheers, Andrew. It's interesting you say that, Andrew, because I remember talking to him when he first went and started working with Andy Lee, Tyson's trainer, and he said the big difference that he got he was he was a boxer, right? So you worked on the craft, you worked on the boxing, you worked on the chess match that boxing can be. He said working with those guys, the mindset was how can I hurt this bloke that I'm in with? I want to hurt him. Yeah. I want to hurt him. They had real killer mentality, and I think that has changed something in Joe a little bit. Yeah, and I think it has to be when you're looking at you know I read something about Mike Tyson who wanted to jump in a ring with a. A gorilla at a zoo. He wanted to. He wanted to open up the cage. He wanted to go in there and fight it, which would have been, you know, devastating if, if it did happen. Because then we know who'd, who'd win that one. Um, but it goes to show you the mentality of boxers. You know, every time Mike Tyson jumped in the ring, especially those early days. Remember that mm. Trevor Burwick when, yep. he, when he jumped in that ring as a twenty-year-old to to take that title. You could see when he hopped up that he just wanted to get out there and destroy him. And and that's always been the question of Joe Parker. Like, where is that killer instinct? Like, where is that want to go out there and actually win this fight right from the get-go in, in a knockout as opposed to just go out there and box your way through it? Keep your texts coming through. Double eight, double three. That is the can't wait question of the day. Will Joe Parker fight for a heavyweight title again? That's what we want to know after his big knockout win last night. Time to catch up with Araha for the latest in news with Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. It's 25 away from 8. Still to come this hour, we're going to catch up with Angus Hamilton to talk the French Open that gets in the way on Sunday time now, though, for some sports headlines for you. Thanks to Ken Antire. Too easy weekend. I can tell you that uh, Brighton Hove Albion are playing Manchester City at the moment in the Premier League. Second to last game for both sides. Uh, Brighton really need a win to cement their place in Europe. Uh, if they get a win here, they could uh, qualify for uh, the Europa League versus the Europa Conference, which uh, I 
I think would be preferable. Uh, Man City currently lead 1-0, but Brighton have just had a goal ruled out for handball. Sticking with football, Auckland City have kept their hopes alive of clinching an 11th OFC Champions League title after surviving a massive scare to beat Vanuatu underdogs Afera Blackbird on penalties. Substitute striker Ryan DeVries and goalkeeper Connor Tracy were the heroes as the New Zealand heavyweight staged a dramatic late comeback to overhaul a 2-0 deficit and snatch a 5-4 winner on penalties after the semi-final finished 2-all after extra time at Port Vere's packed-out Freshwater Stadium. If Auckland City win the tournament, where they play Suva FC in the final, they'll qualify for the Club World Cup in Saudi Arabia in December. And potentially they could meet Manchester City. There you go, those are your sports news headlines. Ken Antire, too easy weekend, two days higher for the price of one. Visit a branch today. T's and C's apply. Keep your texts coming in for Kempe's kicker. When we come back, Angus Hamilton's going to join us. English bookie out of Costa Rica. He's going to preview the French Open for us. And who knows, might even give us a solid nudge for Kempe's kicker as well. Sashi 100% whey, 900 gram protein powder, only $49.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. It's 18 away from 8 on SENZ. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. The French Open gets underway Sunday New Zealand time. Joining us to talk about that is gun bookie out of Costa Rica, Angus Hamilton. Morning Angus, how are you? I'm very well, mate. Looking forward to the tennis. It's uh, certainly one of my favourite events of the year, or favourite month or so, when you've got Wimbledon a few weeks later. But the French Open, it can be unpredictable. It's going to be even more unpredictable this time because there's a bloke called Rafa Mm. Nadal who's not there. Well, that's it. I I was thinking more of the women's, but uh, it has been slightly boring, the domination of uh, men's tennis. But this one, I don't know. I think you could get an outsider winning the French Open this time. Well, certainly... I think the favourites are vulnerable, uh, and that's what obviously pundits are looking for, looking for some value. Yeah, and where do you see that value um, coming from, Angus? Have you picked someone out and thought, you know, if they get the right uh, the right run, they can they can go on and win it? Well, oddly enough, I mean, I I think he's an underrated player. He's been he's been to the quarterfinals before. He's, the first thing I might I'm sure you might have seen this is that Medvedev winning the Italian Open. And getting the number two slot or number two seeding could make a big difference to the draw, which is uh, first thing tomorrow in, in Paris or lunchtime in Paris. And it could mean Alcaraz and Djokovic are in the same half of the draw, which was was a surprise they have to come through and win the Italian Open. Uh, but if you put that to one side, there are some players who I think always fall under the radar. I mean, you look at Karen Kachanov, who's a good all-call player. Um, I don't know what he's playing over in New Zealand. But even if he, if he ends up with a reasonable draw, he's the sort of player back to make the semi-final. I don't think, I think it's beyond him to win the tournament. But I remember him beating Del Potro a few years ago in Paris. As you know, he got to the semi-finals of the Australian Open. He beat Corder when everyone was expecting Corder to get through. Uh, he's a very solid player. He really doesn't have a favourite service. But I mean, if you're talking about a big price, he would be my guy at the big price. Um, I couldn't have the front two at the, at the odds, particularly Djokovic, because I just feel he's been—he's very erratic at the moment. Well, I was just going to say, I'm having a look at the TAB. Uh, Karen Kachanov's paying $151 at the moment, Angus, so you'd be all over that. Uh, and you mentioned Alcaraz, 225 Djokovic, 287 are the outright favourites. Holger Rune at 850 and Daniel Medvedev, 950 are the, are the next two. Yeah, I mean, look, Rune has come through very quickly contemporary of Alcaraz at the junior level and really didn't play any 
proper professional tennis until about this time last year. And it's staggering how well he's played. He beat Victor Paz here. Um, he won the French indoors in the Paris indoor tournament, beating Djokovic in the final. Then he beat Djokovic in the Italian. He's very solid. He's obviously a bit up and down with his temperament. But, but I mean, I don't think he's value the price, but it wouldn't be a, a complete shocker if he caused a few more upsets and even got as far as the final. Uh, but it's, it's all a case looking for value. As I say, a catch-off, I don't think, can actually probably win it. But I could see a scenario where he'll get through to the last eight, the last four. And if they have got a market after the draw about making the semi, uh, you could get $30 or $25. And I think that's a reasonable play. Actually, I've got a text just come through from uh, a regular listener, Lammy. He said, uh, can you ask your guest about Borna Korich, uh, what his chances are? He's played a bit on clay, and he's paying $201 at the TAB. Well, look, I wouldn't put someone else... You know, he, he's been injured recently. Uh, before his injury, he was playing very well. In fact, he was the shortest $30, I think, for the US Open a couple of years ago. I couldn't put someone off, put people off having a, a speculative event on those sorts of players. People like Torres, even, even for us, uh, you know, Karasek is another one who's been injured. Uh, it, it's just so wide open. I mean, I just think on a given day, virtually anyone could beat anybody because uh, I, I think the... Uh, uh, as you said, uh, even if Nadal had played, he was going to be completely unprepared for this. But it's the first time we've seen a, a tournament like this where, you know, you don't have an odds-on favourite and, and, and anyone could do But I couldn't, be, I couldn't put someone off back in courage. I mean, his form before he got injured was, was pretty impressive. Hey, Angus, when you put, when you put your, your thoughts together in and around um, what you think is going to be a worthwhile... Uh, punt. How do you work out the odds, and and do you, do you multi things? And like, do you take pl- uh, players to finish in like the top four, top eight, or do you just bet on outright winners? Well, look, it does depend. I mean, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. The draw is, as I said, tomorrow, and the draw is the key factor in betting on tennis. Um, you could have a yeah. lopsided draw. I mean, tomorrow we could wake up and find Djokovic, Alcaraz. And let's say the next guy in the betting, Runa, are all in the same half of the draw. And Runa would be in the same court as one of those two. And that would just totally change the betting. Uh, you'd find Medvedev, for example, if he avoided that, could come in for $6. Now, Medvedev is not someone traditionally played well on clay, but, but winning in Italy and, and believing yourself, it, it obviously helps his, his chances. And he's, uh, you know, as you know, he's, he's someone who's not scared of anyone. I mean, he's beaten all the top players recently. So he's still not someone I'd really have that close to the top of the betting. But when you're seeded two, you can end up with a, a much easier draw, and particularly in this situation of Alcaraz and Djokovic are in the same half. So the draw is the most important thing. It, it, it totally surpasses anything else. And I think the thing to do is wake up tomorrow morning, and if I see Kachanov is in the same quarter as, as you know Djokovic and a couple other good players, I might think twice, but he could be in a weaker quarter. And mm. I think look for some players, as, as the caller said about Courage, you know, these guys, I suppose you've got to look at the prices as well. Firstly, their first about, you know, their first couple of rounds. Are they playing qualifiers or, or lesser-ranked players? Because, uh, I, you know, it's good to look for players like that, particularly if you're betting to win a quarter, because that's two matches out of the way. Uh, sometimes you're going to have a top player playing another reasonable player who's just gone down the rankings recently. So the draw first, look at the early round, then way up in your head. Try in your head, work out what you think yourself for the betting would be between two players. What, what would you think Horace would be against Djokovic? And he, put, he probably wouldn't be a crazy price on clay. He'd probably be $4 or $4.50. Well, well you know, because there is, a, there is an opening there 
against someone like Djokovic, who's come through, come through with some, some sort of niggling injuries, but really in the rapid run where he's lost in his home tournament. He lost to Runa in Italy, uh, where he normally plays extremely well. So I think they're vulnerable, these top seeds. Clearly, Alcaraz deserves to be favourite. Uh, but he's played quite a lot of tennis recently. And I just think on a given day, Alcaraz could lose to a spinner who he lost to in Miami. He could lose to a Runa. So you, you just don't know what's going to happen. But value's key, and the draw is the biggest factor in determining value. Well, on the women's side then, I mean, that tends to be a bit more open. One thing that we don't maybe tend to see in the women's game as much is, you know, uh, you can go to a surface like uh, the clay surface at, at Roland Garros and you get someone like a, uh, a Nadal dominate on clay. It just tends to be the best female players just win the tournaments, right? But uh, this looks pretty open. I mean, is there someone like, a, a you know, a, a Sara Arani, the, the Italian that made the final a few years ago? Is there someone like that who's a smoky that you like who does play better on clay than others? Yeah, look, you are right about the women's game. It's not, it's not such a big factor. Clearly, Twiatek is better on clay than on hardcourt. And again, much better on clay and hardcourt than she is on grass. And for the next two in the betting, Sabalenka and Rybikina, really are fast-court players. I mean, I know they've gone both of them won a clay court tournament in Europe this season. But really, they are vulnerable. So you then you look through the players and you think to yourself, well, Krajcikova, she hasn't been playing well recently. Jabir's struggling. Corey Galford, this would have been a good opportunity for her, but her form's been poor. Garcia's French, but she's not playing well. And you sort of go down there. And I suppose, I suppose Bedosa is definitely a player. She's not that big a price, but Paula Bedosa has been playing well recently. She's one you could, you could certainly bear in mind. And I think then you've got to sort of look through down the, down the betting. And, you know, we saw recently that, uh, what's her name, Kalanina, Managed to get to the final in Italy and lost lost to Ribakova, but pulled out in. She's obviously someone who's been playing well. She has been playing consistently as well. Potapova is another one who's been consistent. And this young Chinese girl, Quinwen Zhang, who hasn't played you know that well on the clay court season this year, but did take a set off to Elfek in the French Open last year, and looks like she has got her future. So again, I think wait for the draw before you look at these sort of players. But they're, they're the ones, I agree, I wouldn't be looking at the front three in the betting because I just don't think they offer any value. Even though you could say they, they, well, they clearly are the three form players. Mm, yeah, interesting. Well, I look forward to that draw coming out tomorrow. Angus, thanks very much for your time, mate. Always good to chat. Enjoy the tennis. I know you're going to have a big couple of weeks ahead of you. Well, absolutely. And, of course, your, your, your man, Scott Dixon, he's uh, at Dindy 500 here, which I'm also involved in over the weekend. So that's, that's going to be uh, a, an interesting race. It's wide open this year. Uh, I don't know if you're previewing of that, but uh, it's, it's certainly uh, always an interesting race to watch, but uh, interesting to see. But that's wide open. The favourites around the $7 mark. So, uh, there's plenty of sport on. Plenty of sport on, mate. You're not wrong there, Angus. Uh, thanks very much for your time. Go well. Angus Hamilton with us there uh, talking the French Open. And yeah, we've got three Kiwis in the Indy 500 this year. Marcus yep. Armstrong and Scotty McLaughlin in there as well. Yeah, we'll take one of them to, to finish uh, in the top three at, at least. Oh, the thing I like about Angus is that when he gives you a and under he gives you an understanding of how to look at it, mm. as opposed to going, "Oh, I just like that that player." Like, mate, he's basically said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa just slow up, yeah. <laughs> wait till the draw comes out before you <laughs> before you put your money on the line." So, uh, always good chatting, Angus, and getting the getting the ideas um, from a bloke who actually does it for a living. Yeah, exactly. Uh, up next, uh, we're going to announce our Chemist Warehouse Mayhem Prize Pack winner and probably Kempy's kicker as I got one. well. He's got one. It's three away from eight. 
hurry into Chemist Warehouse and find a massive 30% off the Thompson's Vitamins range. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. We're a couple of minutes away from 8 o'clock here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. One all at half time between Brighton and Manchester City. Brighton have had another goal ruled out for offside, so they uh, they have put the ball in back in it three times, but just Man City one boys all. are all running around with bowls of champagne in their hands still. <laughs> that's right, mate, that's right. Chris from Tauranga has <laughs> called through on 0800 150811. G'day, Chris, how are you doing? G'day, boys, here. Yeah, good good interview with the tennis, but I was going to talk about a league um, with the Broncos-Warriors match. Yeah, um, what do you got, Chris? Massive... I'm a massive Warriors fan, but I, I'll be cheering for a young bloke coming off the bench for the Broncos, Brendan Pekura. Um, and just a bit of a warning to the boys, just watch out for his shoulder. I coached him as a young fella um, and as a teenager, and uh, he, he can really hit. So uh hasn't had many opportunities for the Broncos of late because of their depth, but um, you know, played for the Cock Islands and really good players. So. Yeah. Is it, does he come – is he from um, Tokoroa College? Is that where he's no, coming no, out No, no, oh, no. Well, yeah, originally um, I coached him at Helensville Hornets as a young fella, so he moved over there pretty young. So, um, But, yeah, yeah, no, so he's um, he's played for the Australian schoolboys and, yeah, yeah, um, he's done really well over there for himself, but, yeah. He's a, he's a, tal- he's a talent to watch. Is it, what do you think, uh, Chris, on just that, that talent that we're losing such a young age out of New Zealand that are playing for uh, the other, other teams? Yeah, yeah, it's a real shame to be honest. I mean, but I oh, look, we've addressed it. Um, the Warriors have addressed it, and uh, we, things are going to start to happen. You know, it's, it's all going to start to work with the youth age and with bringing through. Good stuff, Chris. Thanks very much for your call. 0800 150 811 is our number, of course, so you put yourself in the draw to win that big uh, prize pack at uh, Alexandra Park as well. We'll announce our winners after 8 o'clock because right now it's time for news with Araha and Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand.
Four past eight here on SENZ. This is Breakfast with Izzy and Kempe and Ricardo Ball with you as well. It's uh, five past eight coming up this hour. Brandy Alexander, one of the uh, uh, Blues um, coaching staff, also a member of the SEN crew and uh, one of the blokes uh, picking the squad as well. He's going to join us a little bit later in the hour. We'll catch up with uh, the one-man party, Paul Mawadi, as well uh, out of the TAB. But right now, uh, it is time uh, for this. Caring for our communities, out of the gym and off the park, working just as hard paying it forward to our next generation. This is More Than an Athlete with Izzy and Kempe. Brought to you by Tremaine Real Estate, bringing people and property together in our communities. And it's our pleasure to welcome into the show uh, from the Brisbane Broncos, one-time South Sydney Rabbitoh legend and former New South Wales and, and Kangaroos player as well, Adam Reynolds. G'day, Adam. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks very much uh, for joining uh, the show. I know you, you guys got in pretty late last night uh, from Australia, but you, you've travelled safe, uh, so that's good to hear, mate. Uh, how's how's the Hawks Bay, the mighty Hawks Bay looking? Yeah, it's looking beautiful this morning. Uh, pretty cold out there, but um, it's a great view across the water. Um, we're pretty lucky here staying on the water. and um, Yeah, nice and fresh this morning. Boys are getting out and having a look. We've got a, a little school visit this morning, so looking forward to getting out in the public as well. Yeah, mate, uh, it's Kempe. Uh, Adam, thanks a lot for joining us this morning on The Breakfast Show. Uh, mate, how's it, how's it been this week? You know, you've lost five players to Origin, got a lot, lot of young kids coming in. What are you shaping up like? Oh, it's exciting. I think um, we've sort of got that next man up mentality. Uh, we're obviously proud of the uh, the boys that have been selected in Origin, but um, you know, grateful to have the depth in the squad that we have, and uh, it's a great opportunity for the younger boys to put their hand up and, and make a statement. And you're going to need the, the call on these boys at some stage throughout the year. So um, good opportunity for them to um, you know get a game under their belt. And, showcase what they can do. Mate, can you just tell us about uh, the difference of this year as opposed to last year? went on that, that horror run at the back end of the season last year, but this year it seems to me that the players have sort of matured a little bit and, and they've got no problem going out and facing anyone this year. Yeah, it's sort of a learning uh, the last 12 months, obviously, myself and a number of other players that are new to the club, so just trying to figure out which style we wanted to play and um, the biggest change for us has probably been our defence. We've worked extremely hard in the pre-season and um, you know, got our combinations down with, with our defensive patterns and um, you know, we're still not exactly where we want to be but we're heading in the right direction. How much work, Adam, has Kevy done with you guys on mentality? Because I guess that would be a challenge with having such a young squad. You guys were flying last year, but, you know, the last eight games, the form really fell off a cliff. How, how have you addressed that? Yeah, obviously we spoke about that in the preseason, but, um, you know, we can use a bit of that hurt last year uh, as a reminder that the competition's not easy. Uh, there's no easy games out there. and We need to be switched on every week and, and be up for it mentally, so... Um, Although it did suck going through it at the time, it's uh, probably a blessing for us uh, being such a young squad that the constant reminders uh, of what happened last year, we don't want that to happen again. So uh, when that's in the back of our mind, we, uh, it's not hard to get up for games. Mate, what do you make of the competition, Adam, this year as opposed to last year? The, it seems that uh, you know, you've know you got a forward pack that's dominating the middle of the ruck here. The ruck's definitely sped up. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I think... Um, Obviously, with the game speeding up, it's um, allowing the little men to get back into the game. And 
you know, have that attacking threat throughout the middle of the field. Big boys get pretty tired through the middle. They're doing a lot of work through there. There's not as many stoppages this year. So, um, no, it's it's, uh, it's heading in a good good space, the game. Uh, it's obviously bringing the little men back in, and it's exciting when the little men are, you know, challenge the big boys through the middle. Well, you say that, mate. I, I, as soon as you said that, it reminded me of uh, you running into the mountain that is Latrell Mitchell a couple of weeks ago, and then he he, he, he picked you up with one arm. I was just like, boy, you're a braver <laughs> man than I, I am, mate. How is, uh, how is that coming up against Latrell and the old teammates? Yeah, I don't know about braver or, or more stupid than um, all those. So, no, it was good fun. Obviously, there's going to be a bit of banter on the field when you come up against your old club. Um, I got the chocolates last year, and unfortunately, they got one over me this year. So, um, in saying that, it was a, it was a good contest. It was a, uh, a pretty solid game, and um, you know we got him again a bit later back into this year. So, a couple of cheeky comments from him in the game, and I'll be looking to get one back on him. <laughs> nice, mate. Hey, look, we got to see Reese Walsh down here last year, and uh, he went back to Brisbane, and he's been fantastic for you this year. He's not playing. Would have been great to see him back here in New Zealand this weekend, but he's not playing because of origin. What has he brought to your team that's been different um, since your time there? I think just his X factor and presence uh, from an um, opponent's point of view. Uh, they see him out the back, obviously the speed that he possesses and the skill he's got with the ball. Uh, it's definitely handy for us to have, and it puts uh, defences on alert. And um, you know, when they're looking at him at the back, it opens up uh, lead lines for our back rowers and front rowers to play through the middle of the field. So, um, he's pre- although he's uh, he's skill and speed out the back, uh, but mainly his presence, I think, through the middle as well. And mate, I mean, it looks like you've got a bloke stepping in to cover him uh, who's got all the right attributes uh, to do a good job. He's got it in the DNA as well, uh, Tristan Saylor. Uh, what can you tell us about this bloke? Because we haven't seen too much of him over here. Yeah, he's very similar to uh, Walshy, actually. He's uh, you know, a small body, very fast, athletic, um, pretty strong for his size and uh, not afraid to take on the line, so... Um, looking forward to Tristo coming in and, and getting a crack. He's he's been uh, performing really well at training and he's been carving up in the Q Cup. So hopefully we can get him some nice clean ball and um, get him in the open space. Mate, a lot of people don't know um, Adam, but you, you do quite a bit of uh, community work as well. And your chosen charity is Save Our Sons, uh, which is muscular uh, dis- uh, distress. Dystrophy. Dystrophy. Sorry about that. Just trying to get a bloody tongue tied here, getting that out. Um, We're going to send you off for an HIA, mate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Been whacked a few many times myself. Um, mate, but just tell us a little bit about that and uh, how you got involved. Yeah, it's something that I've um, gotten close to over the last, oh, however many years now, 10 years. Uh, Ellie and the, the team at, down in Sydney, they're very passionate about it. They've got a, a son going through it themselves. So uh, it's very close to him and just trying to find a cure and, and do whatever it takes to, um, you know, get over that horrible disease because uh, it's never easy seeing anyone go through it, let alone kids. So, um, yeah, it's all about uh, raising awareness and, um, you know, trying to find a cure and um, if I can, you know, help out anyway, so before I'm, I'm more than happy to put my hand up. And what, uh, I know you've uh, you've run a couple of, uh, you know, fun run type things. What what other sort of stuff are you doing? I, I, I imagine you, you've donated a couple of jerseys. Uh, how else can people get involved from either side of the ditch? Yeah, it's uh, go to the website, saveoursons.org, I think it is. Um, just get on there, obviously, have a look, read up, research, um, talk about it with, you know, family, friends, um, and then obviously you can donate. Um, they're doing a wonderful job down there in Sydney and trying to find a cure, and uh, they've raised a lot of money to date. So, fingers crossed that we can, um, you know, find a cure in the, the coming 
um, you know, weeks if not years. Mate, just talk about, uh, obviously you've got this game coming up, but you've also got Origin. You've still got aspirations to play in Origin, mate? Yeah, it's always there. Um, saying that they've got a pretty handy play there, and Nathan Cleary's done a fantastic job for that jersey. And, um, you know, if the opportunity did come up, I'd love to grab it and take it. But um, I'm, I'm fully focused here at the Broncos at the moment and want to do some great things here. So uh, if I keep playing some good footy, mate, I'll keep putting my name in the frame, and uh, that's all I can do at the moment. Mate, there's not too many blokes wearing the Brisbane Broncos jerseys that have then pulled on the Blues jersey, right? I mean, I remember back to Chris Johns, of course. Uh, there's uh, there's one of this year as well, but uh, Glenn Lazarus, I think, did it. Uh, how uh, how many times have you broken out the blue and worn it around town? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time Origins on up around Brisbane, I uh, like to remind the boys that I'm I'm thoroughly a blue and. I can sneak a, a jersey or a shirt in the train time from time. Uh, it doesn't go down too well, though. The boys try and play jokes. I mean, hide it or uh, rough it up a bit. So uh, just more vocal these days. Mate, people in New Zealand, they don't really get to, to have the luxury of uh, sitting in Sydney and opening up the Telegraph and seeing eight pages of rugby league on the back of it. Um, I just want to ask you a question about your shift from South Sydney and how tough that was for you being a... You know, as a Sydney junior and, and playing so well for that club, what what was it that actually made your mind to move to Brisbane, and and did it actually hurt having to leave Souths? At the time, it was a bit disappointing. Obviously, uh, playing you know majority of my career there, I wanted to stay and finish my career there, but um, very grateful for the opportunity. And you sort of don't know what's out there until you you've gone and explored. And I'm very grateful for the Broncos to, to give me that opportunity. It's uh, sort of opened my eyes up to the the rest of the world, um, you get so fixated being down there in Sydney, it's like a little bubble and um, it was the be-all end-all at South Sydney, but um, I've, I've seen the other side now and thoroughly love my time at Brisbane. It's a, uh, a great club, a great culture, uh, the people up here are nice and uh, friendly, they, they live for rugby league in Brisbane and um, yeah, it's obviously a, a, a different feel, but uh, one that I'm loving. Mate, are you uh, when you obviously uh, came through there, um, you did play for a little while there with uh, Isaac Luke, who played for both the Warriors and and the Rabbitohs. You, you, any plans to catch up with Bully while you're here? He's living in Brisbane, so um, I catch up with Bull a fair bit. Actually, he's a, a great mate of mine. Spent a lot of time with him. Uh, the families are, are pretty close, and uh, it's never a dull moment when you you hang around Bully. You, you're never safe, so. Uh, always got to make sure the drawstrings are tied up and you know, you're not getting punched in the ribs. So he's, he's a great, he's a great fella, but a punish at times as well. <laughs> yeah, I, mate, I've been in that that position with him on a number of occasions. Hey, mate, so just tell us what are you expecting uh, on Saturday? You know, coming into Napier, you, you guys are obviously well aware that the community's gone through some tough times recently with some weather. Um, and you know, you guys know that yourself up in Brisbane. What are you guys expecting down there? Yeah, we're expecting a tough encounter. Obviously, uh, the Warriors are playing some great footy this year, um, led by Sean Johnson, and it's great to see him playing some great footy. Um, they're a physical bunch. They, they run extremely hard. and uh, We know it's not going to be an easy game. Obviously, an emotional game for the boys. Obviously, uh, they've been through some floods and whatnot, um, and they'll be out there to play for you know the people in the town, and uh, as, as too will we. So it makes for a great game, and, and looking forward to getting out there. And, uh, put on a show for your people. Yeah, mate, and hopefully it stays dry. Adam Reynolds, thanks very much for your time, brother. Um, great to chat, and enjoy your time in New Zealand. 
No worries. Thank you. Appreciate it, boys. Nice. There he is. What an absolute legend um, Mr. Reynolds is, you know what I mean? Like, just to, to pick up, because I wanted to ask that question. A lot of people want to know why you left Souths, you mm. know what I mean? And and, a t- and he was South Sydney. You've got to remember that. So um, he's the key. I'm telling you, Rick, on Saturday, he's yep. the key. His kicking game's the key. Um, for, for Brisbane, we've got to shut that down if we're any chance of, of winning this game. And uh, like he said, you know, straight up, I'm excited. I'm excited to have all these young blokes in here and uh, looking forward to getting on with that game on Saturday night. Yeah, fantastic. And, you know, good, great to hear uh, what he's doing off the field in terms of that charity as well. Save our sons uh, with muscular dystrophy. Uh, that was uh, Adam Reynolds out of uh, the Brisbane Broncos, who are here, of course, to take on the Warriors this weekend in the Bay, uh, brought to you by Tremaine Real Estate, uh, bringing people and property together in our communities. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Your chance to give us a call now. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811 and have a chat about the league that's coming up this week. You want you've heard there from Adam, Adam Reynolds and uh, we'll announce Kempi's kicker winner as well as our Chemist Warehouse winner. Waterpick Water Fossa Cordless Express for just $99.99. Save $20. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. It's 8.23 here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Uh, plenty of texts coming through. One from Craig. I've got, to, I've got to put my hand up. Craig, 100% correct. As somebody who lived in Tauranga for about four years in the mid-90s I, and, and, and did a bit of work for Bay of Plenty Rugby Union, I've got to say, it is, you're right, it is. Bay of Plenty is the Bay at the moment. The Hawks Bay is the Hawks Bay. They, they lost the, the Bay title in the NPC last year. So Don't worry, they let you know on the show, Ricardo. Thanks for the correction. Thanks for the correction. Now, uh, Paulie from Northland is called through. Paul, uh, good morning to you, sir. How, how are you feeling about John Leslie, uh, the Scottish International coaching uh, your NPC side this year? Uh, to be honest, mate, um, never heard of him and don't really care, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> You're all about 13, man. Is that what you want to talk? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, no disrespect, but I've never heard of the guy and I'm not really interested in the, in the rugby. But um, I just wanted to talk about, oh, I've got a couple of questions for Kempi, but just on, um, on on the game on the weekend with the Warriors, um you know, it's easy for people to say that, you know, we're getting them at an easy time. But we've got to remember, we've got six players out. You know, we've got mm. Barnett, Tamari Martin, Dylan Walker, Jess, Tavanga, Wade Egan, and Ed Cossie. So we've got about six players, frontline players, too. But this is a game in the past the Warriors would probably have dropped, you know, be, um, you know, a, a big game and, and a lot of, lot of expectation. And, you know, and, and it's supposed to be an easy game because they're missing five players. But... Um, so this this will be a real test, you know, and, and hopefully we, we put them away comfortably. Yeah, well, I hope so too, Paul. And we had the uh, press, presser with Andrew Webster on uh, Tuesday at Mount Smart, and he basically said the same thing, that they can't take this game lightly. They understand what the Broncos are bringing, even though they've got five out. And, uh, you know, I think uh, Montella... Uh, Marcelo Montoya said it when he said we're going down and we're playing for Hawks Bay. I think they've got to have that motivation when they come up against these guys. You know, no pain house up front. You've got no Reese Walsh at the back. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to fall into that. I can't give it my best because they haven't got their best in the team. And if they do that, they'll get stung. So are you expecting them to win the Warriors? Is, do you think they'll still get the win down there? Oh, uh, yeah. I, 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 yes, absolutely. I think they will. I mean, they've just come off a, a, a bye weekend. They've 
there's no excuse really. Um, you know, they've had a massive rest. But I just wanted to get your thoughts, Kempi, on um, do you think Rocco Berry um, deserves a spot there? And also Bunty Afo, is he a bench player or, or is he a starting prop in your eyes? Oh, look, I think he's a bench player, personally. Um, but it, the middle rotation is one of the biggest areas of rotation in the NRL. You'll go through at least six um, front rowers during the season but due to injury and the, and the impact in the middle of the park. So uh, I think what we'll see, Paul, is a, um, a signing of another middle player at the Warriors. I think they're looking at that. And the other one in and around... Um, what you what you're asking about Rocco Berry? Oh, look, I like that kid. I, again, he's a kid that needs to grow into his body and start to get some confidence. Yeah. He's got some skill, yeah, you know. So yeah. just give him a little bit more time. Be patient. Yeah, he, he's a, he's. A, I've been watching him New South Wales Cup. The good thing about him is he puts his wingers away really nicely. He's got a, an offload and a bit of a step. So his pedigree, eh? He's got good pedigree. Yep. Yeah, thanks, guys. And no, no worries, Paul. Get along and watch the Tony Father season. See if you can scout some league prospects for the Warriors. <laughs> oh, Tony Father, who's he, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, Paul from Northern. Thanks for your call, mate. Call any time. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Good friend of the show, Ed from Tolaga Bay, mate. Are you, have you just woken up after your birthday celebrations yesterday? Or are you still going? Oh, oh, bro. Well, still, it was pretty hard, man. But uh, yeah, I managed to get to work, and I haven't got a growling from the cousin yet, so it's all good. <laughs> What do you got for but, us today? Ian? Hey, brothers. Um, um, Adam Reynolds. Yeah, too much. But he's, who's he? Is he is he matching up against Sean Johnson? He is. Woohoo! Anyway, go well. But um, the raging bull. I'll never forget that fella dragging old Brett Hodgson across the line to man alive, throwing yeah. him around the place. Yeah, man. And um, when you fella spoke about Brad Thorn, I watched his first game when he hit New Zealand. I think he had a trial down in Nelson. And boy. Did he clean up this guy who ran straight at him, boy? <laughs> he could tackle. He could tackle, Ed. Um, he, he could, yeah, bro, he just went bang, and this guy just went crumpled. And, but, and, and I know who John Leslie is. <laughs> he, poached, he, poached, um, he poached our boy from the coast. Oh, really? Oh, Sammy Parks. Yeah, our right. Fighter. Of course, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, our um, Heartland Player of the Year and everything. He's up there playing for Kiri Kiri. Well, that's great, though, for him, right? Because, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity for a young East Coaster to get a, a you know, sort of uh, a pro contract and, and take that next step in his career. Oh, definitely, man. And, and boy, Sammy can do it. Oh, boy, he can. And he's playing well up there, too. So, yeah, that's all, that's all good. Yeah, it's all good. Ed, all right, good stuff, mate. Thanks very much for your call. Are you yep, getting no. down to Napier this weekend? No, man, I'm going to Amazon Park on uh, Friday night, and I don't know how long we're going to be there because we're going to get on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had Jamie McKinnon on, uh, the president, the other day, and I asked him what the opening hours were, and he said, oh, we're open all the time. So maybe they, you know, you just you just move in, bring a, bring a sleeping bag and a pillow. You'll be fine. But I've, well, I've got, of course, I've got to um, talk to Cousy into taking me. Oh, Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. He's, my, he's my sober driver. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff, Ed. Go well, brother. Go well, brother. Cheer. Cheer. There you go. Uh, Ed from Tolling Bay. You can call us anytime. 0800 150 811. Actually, on that, you know, you're talking about um, seeing Brad Thorne fold with a couple of people. Who, yeah. Who's the guy that hit you hardest in your career? Who's the hardest you've ever been on Ooh. the end of a shoulder? Uh, probably probably the tackle that got pulled off the best was from a fellow Kiwi, was Jared McCracken when I played uh, Canterbury Banks down at their at their home ground 
uh, I've picked the ball up out of dummy half. I think it's on YouTube too, actually, which is really embarrassing. <laughs> and Crackers is at marker, and he takes off after me, and I try and get around him, and I, I can't beat him. So I know he's coming. So what I did is popped off my outside foot and try to try to put my shoulder back into him to, to fall over the front of him so I can get a quick play of the ball. But as I've popped off my outside foot, my inside foot is off the ground, and he did the same thing. He said, well, I've got him. And as soon as I stepped, his timing was perfect, man. I do. I basically do a flip. He hit me that hard that I flipped up. <laughs> and it's really funny because Monty Beetham, uh, I used to run the analysis for attack, uh, oh, both attack and defence you, you do, but, but I'd run it and I'd talk to the boys about, right, this is how we're going to beat Newcastle this week or this is how we're going to beat Canterbury this week. And then, well, I think it was a Canterbury we were playing. I'm doing the analysis, right, this is how we're going to play Canterbury. We're going to go through here, blah, blah, blah. And Monty stepped up and said, oh, before you start, I just want to th- show you how we think we should play it. <laughs> <laughs> he pushes play, and he goes, I don't think we should run from dummy half. And, cra- and he plays this clip of crackers cracking me, mate. So uh, I played with junior, junior Kiwis with crackers and a uh, good, good mate of mine, and, and we had a little bit of a laugh about it. And I always say, well, he might have cracked me, but I beat him off, up, up off the ground and played the ball quicker than he got up. So, But, mate, he gave me a hiding, to be honest. Yeah, good stuff. Great story, Great story, Kempe. It's up our state here at SENZ. This is a Breakfast with Izzy and Kempe. Time for News with Aroha now. Thanks to Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Thank you, Araha. It is uh, 27 away from nine. Uh, got Brandy Alexander coming up uh, shortly on the show. Before then, though, the party, the Paulie Mawadi party. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Morning, Paulie. Yeah, morning, Ricardo. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Good, mate. Uh, Kempy, he's got his Kempy's kicker ready to go. He wants to run this past you. Yeah, Paulie, look, uh, and I want to thank the TAB. They've been great supporters of Izzy and Kempe for breakfast, uh, mate. Look, I, ca- I can't keep away from the Warriors, Paulie. I've got a couple of multis on myself. I think they get the job done, but we've got a winner for our Kempe's kicker this morning, and it's John. He's coming. We're going to stay with the Warriors. We're going to go Adam, Aidan Fanua, Blake Payne, $4 any time scorer. He reckons the gun will score under the post again. Uh, I said to him on Tuesday, Paulie, must be good being a top try scorer for the Warriors, aren't you? Scoring those two meat pies under the post. What do you reckon? Good bet? I think so, yeah. He has been uh, in a rich vein of form. And uh, as you say, uh, he comes back on that angle uh, and gets a short ball either off Tohu Harris uh, or Sean Johnson. Um, and boom. He's right next to the post. So I, I really do like that. Um, Fanua Black, he looks very, very fit this season as well. Um, and he, you know he gets that go forward for the Warriors every time he touches the ball. So oh, I love that bet myself. Yeah, I might have a little piece myself. I might have a little go. I'll have a little go, mate. Um, uh, Paulie, we had uh, Angus Hamilton on earlier pre- previewing the French Open. I know the draw uh, isn't officially done tonight, but are you getting any heat on that at the moment? Yeah, it's always... Um, this time of the year when um, we get to Roland Garros and well, I think uh, the tournament proper kicks off uh, Saturday, Sunday night, uh, our time Monday morning. I'm um, just having a look at the uh, futures markets uh, as we speak. Uh, of course, uh, no Nadal on the men's side, uh, but his uh, compatriot Carlos Alcaraz is the favourite to win the French Open. He has been popular with punters as well. He's 225 to win the French Open this year. Uh, Novak Djokovic, he's at $2.87. Um, and then we're down to eight fifty and $9.50 uh, for the rest. On the women's side, 
Um, it's a wee bit more, I guess, or clear cut in terms of what the bookies think. Um, uh, Iga Swartek, a dollar sixty-seven favourite. That's very, very short. That's sort of that's getting down to um, Nadal sort of uh, prices uh, when we come to the French Open. So, yep, she's a dollar sixty-seven. Um, Sabalenka and Rubikina, Elena Rubikina, uh, on the second line of betting, both at six dollars. Uh, and there's been a wee bit of cash for Corey Goff or Coco Goff at $23. But plenty of multis going through uh, the favourite there at $1.67. Good stuff, Paulie. Thanks very much uh, for coming on this morning, mate. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. You can watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. We're 24 away from nine when we come back. Brandy Alexander joins us to talk New South Wales origin. Find Versace Perome 50 mil for only 59.99, but only at Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. You're on SENZ. This is breakfast with Izzy and Kempi, and uh, joining us out of the New South Wales Team Hotel is the assistant for the Origin team and a member of the SEN crew as well, Brandy Alexander. How you doing, sir? Morning, boys. Hey, Brandy. Thanks for joining us this morning, mate. Uh, Geez, how hard was it selecting your side, mate, le- leading into it? You know, Tommy Trebojevic and, and, of course, no jo- Josh Adokar until uh, recently. A number of players yeah. him to play into some form. Was it was it pretty difficult selecting your side? Uh, yeah, look, look, it's always a tricky thing. Um, Kemp, it's always, um, yeah, you, you never you never pen the names in. You pencil them in until right, right until the death. And as you said, uh, on Sunday, we had to wait to see how Josh Adokar went. Uh, Jake Kravojevic, who uh, Jake was returning after a month out with a calf injury. We wanted to see if he got through the game. Tom Trebojevic, uh, you know, important to Tommy, not only got through the game, but sh- just showed us something that, you know, he was back to his confident best. You know, it's a hard place to find confidence in an origin series, certainly, uh, you know, in, a, in game one. Um, and Tommy had been... Oh, I was a bit concerned about Tom, you know, mm. the, just the fact that he wasn't running fast. Um, but, you know, those... Any, any of those fears were put to bed with his performance against the Raiders. But, yeah, it, it's always a tricky thing because players drop out throughout the opening 12 rounds that you're, you're watching and you're naming sides and then you're scratching names out because you know they won't be available. Um, so, it, yeah, it always comes down to the last game. It, it, it somehow... There's always players involved in the last game of the round when you have to pick your side at, you know, later that evening. You've got a couple of hours to just to make sure everyone's okay. Brandy, there's an old uh, saying over here that sometimes it's harder to get out of the All Blacks than to get into it. And and I and I get that uh, you know sometimes you, you stick with what you know, um, but there were some calls I guess that were a bit up in the air because there have been some guys this season you know whether the via injury or maybe not quite showing the form they did last year that might have had question marks over for a few people. I mean, where do you draw the line and backing somebody because you know what they can offer you versus where their form's at? That's that that is that that's the, the the question, and you know we've had uh, the the. Some of the some of the things thrown out, some of the theories, the lines, that, and and generally they are media, you know, lines that uh, pick and stick, and you know, so a lot of it's all just fairy tale stuff because mm. no one goes into a into a selection of a team with a hard and fast rule on any of that, whether it's form, 
whether it's incumbency, uh, whether it's combinations, club combinations, or you know whether the player has just done it before and might be out of form. That you got to you got to take into account all those things. I, I don't think you can just throw a blanket and say, "Oh, we pick and stick," because that's that's that just does not happen. Um, you know, it's just a it's a media line that has you know gathered pace over the last forty years for whatever reason, and everyone thinks that you know we'll pick and stick, you know, you know or pick it on form, or you know, well they're incumbents. So uh, there's a whole lot of things that you have to take into account. Uh, the belief in the player, depending on the position too, you know, can he get the job done? What sort of job do you want the player to do for you? Um, so uh, there's a whole lot of things that come into um, into consideration when you're thinking about a team. But what what I would say is there's just there's not a blanket rule for any of that. It's it's player by player, position by position, um, the history of the player, the form of the player, um, what he's done in the past. It all comes into account. Brandy, talking about scratching out names and, and strategy and tactics, and I'm pretty sure, like everyone, you had Caelan Ponga down as fullback for the Queensland side, but all of a sudden they decided to go with Reese Walsh, and I'm pretty sure that's because of his concussion issues. What happened, and talking late in the mix, to your tactics once you, once you knew Reese Walsh was in the team? Uh, nothing. That that didn't change our... That, that really... Uh, well... It does, Kent. Yes, it does change tactics. Um, but yeah, I won't go into detail on, on how those tactics change. But all in all, you know, we know what Reese Walsh is good at, and he's lightning quick. He can skip across defenders. Um, so it's it's just us being aware of what he is good at, and looking at ways that we think we can, you know, exploit someone who's playing who's playing fullback for the first time. Um, you know, state of origin. So we know he's a great player, but uh, he's a rookie as well. And that and and that leads me into the kicking game. There's none better than Nathan Cleary, as you know, at Penrith, um, and all those players around him in that spine that know exactly what he brings. And you look like you've got some speed there that can follow up on that kick chase. How how's important is it early on that Reese Walsh uh, is welcomed into Origin? Uh, yeah, well, I, I I think you know I think that that's just that's a given. You know, you've got to you've got to try and test someone out, someone that's new to the the arena. You've got to try and test them out, and maybe uh, put them under some pressure, and you know there'll be nerves. So you want to take take advantage of that. Uh, you probably want to make him work as hard as he can, um, and and move him around in terms of the kicking. But um, yeah, that's you know kicking's kicking's crucial, Kemp. You, you know what it is in big games. You know, a, a great kick can rescue a poor set. Uh, kicks, you know, can lead the points. Kicks can lead the pressure. Um, so the kicking game and going in with a plan um, around the kicking game is is absolutely crucial. Greg, there was a lot of people uh, raised an eyebrow and they didn't see Damien Cook's name. Uh, obviously, you've decided to go with one hooker and then a utility. You can cover a few different things. What is it that Appy mm. gives you? That made you go with him. Uh, I think Appy Appy's uh, Appy can use his guile to to set up the ruck. Uh, Appy's got a, a he's a very clever hooker, um, and Cookie's a yeah Cookie's been fantastic for New South Wales since we've been you know Fr- Freddie and I have been doing it in 2018, and uh, you know Cookie was a, has been an 80 minute dummy half um, only the. the 
few times that we've we've had Appy and Cookie together, and I, I don't know whether you know it, it just didn't click. It did it didn't work, and we it didn't do the job we were hoping it would have. Uh, playing both of them, that and they they are both generally 80 minute players. Like Appy might need a, a bit of a spell, but we've got Nico Hines who can play dummy half. Um, he can spend 10 minutes there just to, if Appy needs a bit of a breather. Um, but I, I think we just went with Appy because of the reason and his craft around the dummy half. He doesn't necessarily need a, a quick play the ball and uh, Cookie thrives on quick play the balls and uh, I think Appy can just bring his forwards over the advantage line with a bit of his skill. Yeah, and I think that combination too with him being an ex-Penrith boy will work out pretty well for you guys in blue. Brandy, what about the, uh, I look at your back row and Hudson Young and, and Tyson Frizzell, um, along with Cameron Murray, Liam Martin, like you've got some strike there. Uh, and mm. ha- it's going to be really interesting how how you use that. Um, do you see that part, because you look at the benches, do you see that part where you may have a little bit of strength on the bench com- uh, compared to what the Queenslanders have? Uh, yeah, well, look, Queens, Queensland have got a good bench. When, whenever you, you know, you, you, got players like Tino Fasuamoa Awi on the bench, uh, you know, you've got a strong pack. So Queensland have got a good bench and uh, whether it's Ben Hunt or Harry Grant coming off and, and you know, playing their second, uh, the, the role as the second hooker, they've got a strong bench. But, I, yeah, I like ours. Ours has got the ability to play on an edge or in the middle. Um, you've got Cameron Murray, who is a middle, uh, but's done a great job on the edge for New South Wales in the past and, and you know, would be the 13 if, if Isaiah Yo wasn't so good and uh, mm. and didn't, you know, when you talk about combinations, the combination of Yo and Cleary is, I think, the key, the key combination um, you know, out of out of all the, the mix of all those players. Uh, Liam Martin hasn't played a lot of footy, only only back a couple of for, for a couple of games, and you know Liam's not about forty minutes in each game, but played in the middle. Now, I, I think Liam is as good in the middle or or even better in the middle than he is on an edge. Uh, you know, when he was a starting back rower for the Australians in the World Cup. So um, we've got a bit of versatility there uh, with Junior on the bench, um, a big front rower, but Cameron Murray and Liam Mark can both, both play edge or middle uh, just as well. So, um, yeah, we've, we've got some options there. Hey, Brandy, we were talking to Gordon Tallis earlier today and uh, we were talking about um, the maybe having some sort of representative window around origin because I, I see there's a lot of Broncos fans having a cry at the fact that they have to leave Queensland for the third time this year uh, and, and do it without their origin players. But, um, but yeah, I mean, what do you think? I mean, somebody that's been deep in origin and obviously knows the game mm. so well, do you think there's room to have, you know, like FIFA do it, an international break or a representative break in rugby league where you have three weeks or a month off from club footy, you have your state of origin, you have, I don't know, an island of origin, Tonga, Samoa, New Zealand, that type of thing, and just have rep footy, and that's where we get some international footy going as well? Oh, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, this is... it's. It's it's one of these things that have been tossed up. Um, yeah, Kempi, you, you know, like mate, it's been spoken about since Origin started, and we've always, mm. you know, at this time of the year, everyone goes, "Oh, yeah, but club footy really suffers. We've got buys, we've got weakened sides. Um, you know, what do we do? What do, you know? Do we? I I don't know if it's a better option to have a, you know, a a, a block of time just for the 
just for the you know, um, representative stuff. I, I really don't. I, I don't think we can just shut down the competition. Uh, it's a great it's a great period, really, when you think about it. Uh, the opportunity that that you know those lower on the list they they get a crack. Uh, you've got some players that will be making their debuts over the next you know five or six rounds, where you know we'll have Origin affected rounds in the NRL. So you know we've spoken about it. It goes round and round like a lot of other debates that we have uh, rescheduling and the um, you know how they do the draw. No, nothing sort of comes of it. I don't think anything will come of this. I, I think. Um, you know, we'll just keep it as it is and, and, and everyone just needs to suck it up and get on with it. Nice, mate. Nice. I like it. Concise. Concise. I'll, I'll have to break out my old Guns and Roaches t-shirt that I had from back in about 1989, <laughs> mate. I wish you and uh, the boys all the best and uh, hopefully we can get a uh, a sweep like Junior Pierce did back in 86, eh? Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. Two would do, but the sweep would be nice. <laughs> Good stuff, Brandy. Go well, mate. Thanks for your time. Thanks, boys.